Welcome to the Bros Who Think Podcast, starring your host, Mr. Lyndon Burton, and his co-host, Morris Hall, a.k.a. Brooklyn, Adam Schubert, and Justin Baptiste. We got a lot to get in this week, fellas, so without further ado, take it away. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Bros Who Think Podcast. My name is Lyndon Burton, a.k.a. Youngboy DeWitts, a.k.a. The People's Champ, a.k.a. Beard Gang is in the motherfucking building. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 98. 98. Woo, we inching closer and closer. This is the Bros Who Think Podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, baby. I love hearing that number, dog. Hey, bro. bro, 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 tell me about it. We inching closer, but look, I gotta say this now because on when you guys hear Bros Who Ball, the way I introduced it was it was either gonna be 97.5 or it was gonna be 98. Enjoy that intro. It's hella funny because my I, we didn't because my guy Brooklyn had allergies last night. We didn't know if he was gonna get it done. But, you know, we had to get it done for you guys because we're getting closer to that 100. we got to give you guys the content. And we was going to have something for you guys either way. Either way, the cookie crumbled. We was going to either give you 97.5 when we just talked about uh, the NBA Finals, which is that, that last part of that show, super dope. Always going to give you 98 when me and Brooklyn was going to get the first part done for you guys. And I'm, uh, huh, we, we got it done because they got a lot to talk about. And I'm excited because some of this shit is hilarious. But, yeah, B, I just have to let people know when they hit that end what that was about to be. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it my damn self. Cause no, that intro is hilarious, bro. Like I had, cause I, I didn't know. Like, I was like, look, this is either ninety-seven point five, you know, little, a little quasi NBA talk, cause we don't want to skip the numbers, cause I want a real ninety-eight. Facts. Like, I don't, I don't want no just no bullshit. Like you know what I mean? Cause like we get into that hundred on on real terms. You dig? Facts. I mean, hopefully this, you know, I don't know what it is about Oklahoma. The, the air, I don't know what it is, the air quality or something, but it got me out here looking like Fetty Wap in these streets. Bro, bro I, I, and that's what I said on the intro. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, if y'all would have saw that picture that Brooklyn sent me last night, bro. my nigga, that eye was red, his red, his whole face was swollen. That shit was crazy. They looked at me at work this morning. They was like, what the fuck? Like, I walked in with sunglasses on, of course, and bro. I took them off, and they was like, God. Damn! I'm like, look I, like you got enough. Everybody like, looks, you know, like, bro. <laughs> shit is crazy. And look, we got a new studio. It's, bro. I, I swear that like couple your allergies on top of the fact that even if we would have been able to go for our normal time of seven, I didn't have the studio fully moved in until an eight thirty at night, and that was right. close to when you had to go to work. So I was like, it was fucked either way, because, bro, I moved literally in twenty four hours, like packed. Moved in in twenty four hours, like bro, you fucking that beast. Was, I'm just I'm just waiting for when we get that studio on Canal Street. I'm just saying, but <laughs> bro, that's gonna be the. <laughs> whoo, you already know that's the plan. Could bring it to bring it to the no, but nah, it, this shit is crazy. Like I'm super sore because it was only me and my cousin. Shout out to Little Reg. He came through. I hooked him up with some bread after you know because I, I felt like 
I appreciated what he did for me because nobody else, like my brother would, was, wasn't there because he had football shit. My pops was there and didn't want to lift nothing. And I told him, I was like, nah, nigga, ne- next time you call me, because that nigga didn't call me four times in the past year to move shit. And I was the one that would bring my brother. And I wouldn't complain. And I was like, all right, cool. I got you. Because you're going to want to move in a year. I already know. And we're going to see what happens next time you call me. And don't me. you got to drive you... 30 minutes to get there? Mm-hmm. And move stuff? That's Yep, wild, to New Iberia. Yep. That's no wild, big facts. Bro. And nigga, you only getting older. I'm getting into my prime. We're going to see. <laughs> we're going to see. But nah, fam. Let's get into this week's episode. We got a lot to discuss. First off, I just want to say shout out to Showtime and Bleacher Report. The first topic I wanted to discuss was the Ron Artest doc. Me and Brooklyn both watch it. It's on Showtime right now. If you have Hulu and Showtime, you can check that out. But I just want to applaud them because this documentary was super dope in it. it. It was real. Like, when you watch sports people's documentary about their lives, you don't know how real. You're either going to get, like, I was like, you're going to get something where it's like, okay, they're telling interesting stories and they're being real, but it still has a gloss over over it of like right. this is this is super like I don't want to say produced because this was very very well produced but it's super PC super trying to be politically correct because ESPN or these major networks don't really want to go there. This well, documentary was was went there. What well, I think what my thing with the you know the thirty for thirty things is if if thirty for thirty is going for the bad look, it's only gonna be the bad look. If they're trying yeah. to show somebody on the good side, it's only going to be the good side. We got to and they stick to the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of Ron Artest. And that's why I really fucked with this shit. That's it. You're so right, because when they stick to a narrative, and it. It, it, it's it. Like, whatever they, like you understand about that player, that's like, for example, with the AI shit. Like, uh-huh. they knew that AI overcame the stuff with jail, but they didn't, re- like, it was mainly about the jail, mainly about the negative, and then they, they tried to flip it at the end. Like, you They give you, showed, like, five minutes of the, of the good shit at the end. Yeah, like, you should like, with this, you, we saw Ron's bad, we saw Ron's great, and we saw Ron's ugly, all in, and it just told that perfect story. And it's crazy hearing this, this nigga shit. He related to Capone with Noriega, living next door to Havoc, like all in the Queensbridge Nazis of the street. What a crazy time to live in New York, Queensbridge. Like where you well, got Nas up the street, Capone and Noriega right next door to you, Havoc, like that's crazy. If you think about it, Anybody in any given time, at, I mean, not any given time, anybody in New York City in that time period with the explosion of hip-hop grew up a block away from somebody who made it. You feel me? Like, that's, yeah. that's what's crazy. That's the crazy shit about the explosion of hip-hop is that because it came from out there, it, like, the, all those first groups and shit, everybody was like, oh, yeah, bro, I went to middle school with him. Oh, yeah, bro, I went to high school with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah, his him and my mom work at the same place or some shit like that. And it, it was crazy. For me though, the thing that blew my mind that I did not know anything about was his dad. Yeah. I didn't know bro. nothing about his dad. Bro, Pops had the nigga in the snow, pushing him like fighting down there, fighting with him on the court. But he wasn't like a LeVar Ball type dad. He was like the 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 the, the type of dad that I remember in the 90s growing up where like they would talk about it in sports like Yo, that, that nigga would, like, get you right and, and was in the, in the hood wh- whooping your ass. 
bring you to the park. You playing all day, all night, and when Ron but at the same school, time though, his dad was a little, you know. Oh, you talking about not the, all oh, the way yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, so he yeah, had him yeah, in this like. There's nothing wrong with you pushing your son, right? For example, I just seen a, a video of uh, of uh, Zach Levine's dad cursing him out. While yeah, he, I, while I, I love that video. And that's that's what you're supposed to do. Cursing me out and making me run drills in the snow, that's when I knew something wasn't right. <laughs> when it started right there, I was like, okay. <laughs> no, Ronnie's dad wasn't all there. Okay, <laughs> now something makes sense. In the snow, nigga, you're bugging. And then what also blew me out, it was like the snow, rain, sleet, it don't matter. And then when a gunshot come, they knew it wasn't coming for them, so they just hear it, boom, and then keep it pushing. That's I'm like, crazy. bro, I want you to know YMCA in the 80s was huge. It was everywhere in New York City. He didn't have to be outside in the snow, dog. <laughs> That's why I was like, his dad wasn't on there because YMCA was like on every other block. Like, <laughs> I know from where I was at, there was three in a in a ten minute walking radius. Pop so said, "Nah, I we gotta be outside." That they didn't have to be outside in the fucking snow in Queensbridge while they selling crack. <laughs> that shit is hilarious, bro. And then another thing that I I didn't realize about the documentary. On top of that, I didn't realize how good Ron Artest was. Me neither. Like, I didn't know I, I, about his rookie second third year. I didn't. All I knew was. After the Madison in the Palace. Like, no, bro, like, and see, I was a basketball fan, like, right before that year. Like, I, I was a fan, like, truly started with the Kobe Shaq era. And right. I remember when Indiana was doing their thing. But I wasn't in the basketball where it was like, oh, I would know about every team like I do now. I just knew about exactly. the Exactly. And, like, the thing was, I didn't realize Ron Artest was one of the best players in the league, like, pushing MVP. Right. Like, Six ball, in the like, voting. And first defensive play, and his, what, bro? I had no idea he was dropping buckets like that. That's the thing. I just, I knew he was a, one of the best defensive players of all time. I just didn't know he was offensively incredible because by the time he got to Kobe, he was just shooting threes. You know what I mean? Right. He wasn't doing what we were seeing him do in Indiana. And it's crazy because, yo, that team probably, because I remember Jermaine. Yeah, bro, they could have. Bro, bro, like, bro. I knew Jermaine was a dog. Like, oh he my was God! Like, he was like he wasn't Shaq as dominant as Shaq, but the thing was he could shoot the he could shoot like a mid range jumper. He had crazy moves and he was a baller. Stephen Jackson, a sniper. I understand why Reggie Miller was on that team still. Bro, they probably could have won. Like they should have beat the Pistons. Like oh, that yeah. year, like they fucked that up. And the thing for me too that I didn't know that was huge for this really huge and really tied this fucking documentary together was the anger that is still inside of Jermaine O'Neal. Because I don't know if you realize, Steven Jackson doesn't have that anger because no. he's in a ring with the Spurs. But, so I, but, even, anger, but even on top of that, Steven Jackson was homies with the nigga even when, it, like, even when they, like, you know, even when they beef. Like, that's, that's, that's just like, you know, Steven Jackson a real nigga. He was just like, bro, you don't see that we did this for you? Like, Steven Jackson got through the bullshit where he was going to talk to him because he knew he was from the hood. Like, right. Jermaine O'Neal... Didn't really live that lifestyle, and he just you didn't know didn't how to really. approach it. He did not. Yeah, he did not. He, yeah, you can tell by how soft-spoken really, yeah. and well-spoken he is that he did not. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with being well-spoken and soft-spoken. It's just that he couldn't relate. And, and I liked how, you know, it showed his anger. And then near the end of the documentary, it said, you know, I wish I could have tried 
Early, my best yeah. to really try to understand Ron because I know I didn't. And it makes sense because there's no way guys like him, Reggie Miller, I'm going to throw another <sighs> thing in there just because Grant Hill. There's guys from those kind of upbringings can yeah. relate to people like Chris Webber, Ron Artest, Allen Iverson. They can't relate to that because they didn't, they didn't grow up in that. But see, so it's hard the thing for them to make is, that connection. What makes some of those people, like what makes, I think, why Reggie's career work, because he, he made the attempt, you know? Like Jermaine, right. from even what he said, he didn't know how to make the attempt, so he didn't, he didn't he do didn't it. He didn't try. And it's, and it's crazy, bro. Like, I, I remember the Malice in the Palace, but I didn't know how wild it actually was. Like, the white dude who started it all didn't even really get messed with. Like, he threw the cup, and, like, the, the kid next to him got rocked. Jason, like Steven Jackson, rocked somebody, and then like, well, see, I knew fight. that stuff, but I didn't know none of that other shit. Like, I didn't know all the shit about like him being six in MVP voting and mm-hmm. him being the reigning defensive player yeah. of the year coming back them, from that. So, and them trying to make a finals push this Reggie last year where they could have did it, and like he and like the thing is he had anger issues that whole season and leading up to that, and this is where it like just boiled over. Exactly. Now it makes like, sense. now it makes so much sense for me because I didn't I didn't see it. I mean, obviously, Bobby was like ten. Yeah, I, I, maybe twelve, somewhere around there. Like we was young when that shit was happening. No, I think we was younger than that, bro. Because the Pistons won the chip in what two thousand and three. Uh, no, it was. Let me see. I'm, I'm gonna look this up real quick because the but, uh, the, the Lakers went what ninety nine. Oh, they, they won 2000, 2001, 2002. Yeah, and the wait, Pistons um, knocked them off, and then Shaq left. That was in 2004. 2004. Yeah, we was 10, bro. We was yeah. young. So it makes sense why we didn't really have the grasp of how good Ron Artest was. Because we got the Ron Artest post. Of the coat. Yeah. We got him yeah. on the Rockets with the dumb shit in his head. With the fucking... <laughs> he had the fucking yeah. team logo in his head on one with side. The mo- with, with the fucking mohawk. Trying to be young still and shit. That we got that run our test. Yeah. And it's crazy, man, seeing all that shit. It's crazy to me too, because like if you really think about it, like they wasn't the only teams it, it was that era, you feel me, that came up because they always raised in that kind of environment as kids. Mm-hmm. Because the Knicks, the Stephon Marbury's, the Latrell Spreewells spitting on coaches and shit, like choking there was a coaches. lot. There was a lot of angry players that they were the like, 90s, yo, NBA is my only way out of the hood. Yeah, bro. And it and just like, see, to me, like, it, it, I loved what Bleach Report did with this shit. Uh, uh, Love Trail Spreewell story. Like, just stuff, stuff from that era of the real 90s players. Because I feel like, or early 2000s players. Because like you right. said, there, there, there was that anger in the league at that time. And, we're really, and through Ron Artest's story, we can kind of see... Like, yo, it was that era. Because now in the AAU era, it's different. Because yo, bro. Era, you look, 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 people getting paid. The nail on the head. Like, nobody shit. was getting paid <laughs> like that. Like, like that's the thing. In the AAU era, it's totally different. Like, these kids are getting flown out. If you're good enough, you're going to get taken care of. And, like, these kids back in the gap, they was great. Like, how you going to have a team of Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, and Ron Artest? Like, if that team was now... Them, we Ron Ron would have been taken care of. He it might have been. It might he might have turned out different. That's a fact. And you know another thing too. I had no idea there was a connection between him and Sham God. I knew Sham God come came up from Queens, but I knew he was older than them. Yeah. So when it was like when Sham God was the one that told him, "Yo, bro, 
it's cool that you all defensive and shit, but work on your work on your offensive game. And like the fact that he just took that one fucking phrase that Sham got told to him, and he was like, "I right, nigga, bet." Nigga was like, yeah. He was like, "Bro, you're not gonna get no college offers without showing the offensive stats." He was like, and that okay. made him a dog. Like that made Ron Artest get to that MVP level. And that's it's crazy because it was just like. There was so much shit against this man. And there's, there's so much shit against a lot of those niggas that was angry. There was a lot of shit. Look, look at Lamar Odom. Like, and, and right, right in the same hood as uh, Ron Artest. And look at Lamar Odom's life. I would love to see Bleacher Report do a story with him. And just hearing him talk about when him and Ron got to do it, it just felt like we did it. Like, we from this area. Like, we weren't supposed to be here. Like, that's crazy. That's a whole nother crazy side of it. And, and, and that really is another whole nother crazy side. And I really hope that Lamar don't let ESPN fuck, fuck with his story because mm-hmm. if they fuck with his story, it's gonna be all the bad and negative shit that Lamar ever did, and it's gonna be five minutes of the good shit that Lamar yeah, did. Yeah, him balling. Yeah, no big facts, but con- I, yeah, like you said, I just want to applaud Release Report because this was this was dope. And then the story with Nori had in create like you, Dream Champs Nori came out. Facts, bro. <laughs> Talk about about the duty with the jail when he was like Ron Ron said that was the best player. Like that's the nigga that was pulling out knives. He's like, oh, I might have went too little too far. <laughs> nah, that shit was fucking hilarious. I loved how real it was, bro. I loved mm-hmm. how they had all the rappers in there. They threw in. I, I wish they would have been. You know, that's what that's that's the thing though. Like I feel like he didn't really know Nas. You feel me? I feel like that's why he wasn't yeah. part of it. And he he knew Same. Havoc and he knew you know. Noriega, he knew those niggas, so that's why it made sense why they was in it and Nas wasn't, and that's what I was saying about like, at any given time, because I know like, for example, some of my dogs that I, uh, that they pops grew up around the corner from Big Pun. They went to the middle school with him and high school with him, but he was a dude that wasn't really, you know, he wasn't really popular like that, so it was funny because they were just like, when he came out and he was blowing up, they was like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, Pun. Right, so it was crazy to them. So like, that's why I was like, it's crazy how there was that much music, but Ron only really knew a couple niggas. And you know yeah. what else is funny about this documentary about these that cur- that era of players? Because they do it now, but it's not as funny as when they did it before, with the Shacks and making the, albums. And yeah, bro, <laughs> this nigga really did a whole interview and pushed his album the whole time. On ESPN. He's on ESPN and he's pushing his album. Bro, he's making an R&B album. Like, Nigga he said, was yeah, we selled it. Like, wait, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the R&B group because it's a crazy R&B group that he, he made the album for. Bro, he was out here, bro. Like, I'm trying to it's just it. funny because, like, you got, like, Victor Oladipo putting out, like, EPs or something like that. You got, you know, Shumper putting out little mixtapes and shit, but, like, these niggas was putting out full-fledged albums with big rap names on their shit, big R&B stars on their shit. Like, could you imagine if we it, still had that going on, bro? It'd be crazy. Bro, it'd be enough Drake for a feature, bro. That shit would be wild, bro. Oh, yeah, he worked with Allure, bro. Like, yeah, that's insane. I knew it was Allure. I'm tripping. I knew it was Allure. Like, that's like, that's like you saying, that's like fucking Victor calling fucking Rihanna or something. Well, not, not bro, Rihanna, it would like, be wild, bro, if they was hitting up, like, top, not not the top, top, but, like, for but example, yeah, no. Shaq was fucking with, with Biggie and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was really in the in the studio with the biggest rap names at the time. Obviously not Ron Artest, but Shaq was, Kobe was, like. Uh, yeah, Kobe 
crazy. The thing with Destiny's Child. That's crazy, bro. Like, that era was like... Beyonce. They set the stepping stone for what these players is able to do. Like, without without Shaq and and, uh, Kobe... And even Ron stepping out of their comfort zones and not just being basketball players, they're the reasons why LeBron can do what he does. Well, he can not just be a basketball he he they're the reason why you have a Kevin Durant in a movie. Because yeah. Michael Jordan did it. Why the fuck not? You know what I'm saying? And then Shaq shit. And once Shaq did Kazam, it Shaq was, was a fucking superhero and shit. Like yeah. come on. Like Shaq, like Michael did a movie with basketball, but Shaq Shaq did a movie with basketball too, but Shaq also had movies where he did other things, and we saw him outside of Shaq. And that that's the that's the era where it was like some of these kids was angry because of their upbringing. Some of these kids was you know they had a good upbringing, but for the most part they were still you know I fuck with rap music. I fuck with yeah. R&B. You they know what I'm kept saying? It, they so still that's kept why I feel like Jermaine O'Neal probably could have if Kobe. Can find it in his French fluent speaking ass, bro. Him to Kobe understand Ron Artest, <laughs> Jermaine, you got no fucking excuse. That was the shit for me that I really thought like I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, take sides. But at the end of the movie, when I mean at the end of the documentary, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, yo, if Kobe and his silver spoon ass Look, could like relate Ron to said Ron, Kobe was one of his best friends in the league, and Jermaine who. Don't speak three languages. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, this nigga know two languages that ain't English fluently. Big facts. No translator, bro. Spanish, French, I'm in there. Big and, facts. And Jermaine O'Neal, who only know English, can't relate to Ron. Ah, nah. That's when I was like, you know what? He need to let this shit go. He need therapy. Yeah, they need to get him a motherfucking therapist. He need to be shouting somebody out. He got to let some shit go. But not the Kobe thing is crazy, too, because it's like Kobe was like, all right, bro, you want to bring that hate? I bring that same type of hate to the game. See, it was different. It was a different type of hate that Kobe had, but they could understand it because they both had that hate. And like since the since I think that just shows how good of a coach Phil Jackson is. And that's what Ron Artest called him as in master by not right. putting Kobe and Ron against each other in practice, they didn't have to battle. So it was like, okay, we're gonna we gonna let them form a friendship of battling against other people. And that, and I think that's what made that work. And and now that I'm looking back on it, when people say Kobe didn't have a super team, it's kind of crazy because he had Marcus All. I mean, not Marcus mm-hmm. Paul Gasol, Paul Gasol, baller. Lamar Odom, who I'm realizing now in life, baller. Ron Artest. Baller. That in Andrew oh, Bynum that. gave Kobe the best two years of his fucking like, career. Yeah, Andrew Bynum guys. has never balled like that before, and he never balled like that after that. Andrew People thought he was Bynum, gonna be the next Shaq. Bro, they thought he was. They thought it was like him and Dwight Howard, one and two for the centers in the league right now, bro. At that time, Andrew Bynum got that big ass contract after that. And obviously, we know what happened. But yeah, <laughs> he gave Kobe the biggest years of his fucking career, bro. Yeah, and that's when it was like people say stuff about Kobe this and that. And I'm just like, ah! but you see, I, I heard something the other day, and it, it really did make sense. A lot of them brought together great players, and that's what that's where they're quote unquote super teams. The niggas in these eras is bringing together 
MVPs yeah. to win chips. And that's the big ass difference. You're not about to take three MVPs, put them on one team, and say, how this is, how the, you know, this ain't unfair. What you talking about? Like, that's like a Kobe that's, that's, that's with Duncan. Yeah, right. That's no. like if Kobe left and went to the Spurs and was playing with Tony Parker, Manu, and, and fucking Duncan. Could you imagine? <laughs> I would have been like, fuck this shit, wrap it up, Spurs about to win the next 10 chips. Like, yeah, fuck that. And, they, and they would have actually won the 10 chips too. Bro, Unlike these new teams that be like, yo, what's poppin'? And that's another thing with, like, I, I love those arguments they try to compare, you know, uh, Michael to those other teams and shit. And it's just like, bro, at the end of the day, nobody is, because it's the AAU era, nobody is as selfish and it's, it's really bad to say, but this is why Michael was so good. He didn't pass the ball, nigga. When it was that time, when it was, all right, we down by five in the fourth quarter. I'm shooting everything. Tunnel vision, nigga. I don't see y'all. Unless y'all, really, unless y'all really open, I don't see y'all. And that's one of LeBron's biggest downfalls is that, nigga, you supposed to be scoring 50-something each game. Nigga, you playing games. It's the playoffs, bro. We ain't doing yeah. it for stats. You're trying to be... You trying to pass John Stockton for the first overall playoff assist? I ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. But shout out, and I agree with you. But shout out to Bleacher Report again. Ron, shout out to Ron Artest. This was a dope production, and shout out to involved. his dad because his dad yeah. didn't have to be as open as he was. His dad no. put his whole life out there. His dad was the like, whole I got problems. Too. You know, I got this. Everything is. I got all these things wrong with me. His dad didn't have to be that open about it. His dad could have been like, fuck y'all, I'm not doing nothing. Uh, I'm not doing that, but his, the pops did it because they was open with their story. And then seeing their whole family have mental issues. Like, right. they, like uh, applaud to them for, like, really bringing that out in the open. And I think that's something that the black community needs to learn from because these people went and get help and they, like, did what they had to do and they aren't afraid to talk about it. That's something that, that as black folk, we got to continue doing. Amen, my brother. You hitting the nails on the head right now. Amen, I mean, my brother. That's just what we got to do that. But let's get on to something that, like, it's, it's sad to talk about because I really like this actor. And I want to call out hypocrisy. And I, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's a little bit of both. So, first off, we didn't talk about this when it dropped because I didn't, I didn't hear about it for a while. But Jason Mitchell was dropped from the shy, dropped from his Netflix films, dropped from his production deals, his managers, his agents. He got cut from everything because it was some misconduct, multiple alleged of misconduct dropped. And it was basically someone from the Showtime, the shy in the upcoming film Desperados, uh, uh, several actresses on the series. Oh, no, it was Tiffany Boone who played Mitchell's girlfriend among yeah. several actresses as well who had issues with him. But she had made repeated complaints of sexual harassment and she felt unsafe with the co-star so much that her fiance had to come and sit on sets on shots with him because he wanted to, he had to make it fear like, yo, bro, you're not about to mess with my girl anymore. And like she alleged she eventually told the people she couldn't work with Mitchell, but he was retained. She got released to pursue other projects. And then other actresses came out and then the studio made a thing and Lena Waithe's company and all of them dropped him. First, before we get to Lena Waithe, because the thing is, there's something where she knew about it and mm -hmm. nothing was done. So I want to call out hypocrisy on that standpoint from just everything she's been doing. But what, she, what do you think about the, the Mitchell situation? It's just crazy. Like, I hope that dude gets help, man, because I, I didn't see him as that type of dude. You see what... 
this is one of those things that I was saying uh, to one of my my dogs back way back in the gap. When you cast these young artists in these major iconic roles, and they're not ready to handle that kind of stardom, they become divas instantly, bro. Instantly. And it's crazy because you see that how that nigga who, you know, uh, starred as Tupac, he ain't really getting buzzed like that because the Jason Mitchell shit got everybody thinking, yo, I can't fuck with nobody who, who got one of those iconic things. And then not Chadwick Bossman, they don't know how to handle that shit because Chadwick did three, four different iconic shits way before he did Black Panther. Yeah. Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown. So when they James were like, Brown, you know what? Yeah. They was like, you know what? Chadwick know how to handle that shit. A lot of these dogs, that shit go to their head. Jason, you're not easy, bro. Come on. Yeah. You can't just do what you want, bro. You an actor just like her. She trying to get to that bag. You trying to get to that bag, bro. And like, she got a life just... outside of this. You're not Will Smith, nigga. You're not about to have these relationships with your co-stars. And like, and they, don't and like they don't want them. Well, exactly. And like, that's the thing. Like, you, you trying to get into character, but like, bro, she, like, she don't want to do like you. you she can't, don't want to like, be that far in the character. Yeah, like, bro, like, just when somebody tells you, just no means no. Like, how many times we gotta say that on this show? No means fucking no. How many times bro. you gotta tell niggas they need consent, bro? How it, many times, bro? Like, it's it's getting ridiculous. It's but crazy. I don't like like and I I just don't know. He not he probably won't come back from this. And I just oh, no. hope he gets the I hope he gets help. That's all I can Facts. say about him. But look, so Lena Waithe. She she said this on the Breakfast Club. She goes, "I wish I'd have handled the situation differently. I wish I'd have done more because she uh waits." She said she took measures at the end of the first season when she heard complaints about Mitchell from Tiffany Boone. We we just we did discuss stuff that just wasn't appropriate. I told her, "Yo, this is not cool. I feel that awful that you had an experience on my set that wasn't pleasant." She said she replaced much of the crew and the showrunner had to undergo some sexual uh, harassment training and learn that both Mitchell and Boone weren't were satisfied enough to return for season two. When complaints reemerged, Way said she decided to let Human Resources Department, which had been monitoring the issue, take care of it. I trusted someone else to do my job, and ultimately the situation was not handled. I, okay, look, this is how I feel about that. So Lena Way's big part of this Me Too movement, big voice and all of that. Love everything she's been doing as a writer. But if you're a big part of that movement and you so believe in that and you're a big part of that voice and you're supposedly standing up for these people, when you hear something about it, you're not just letting human resources do it. If you're one of these people that say, like, yo, I'm, I stand for this and I'm, I'm fighting against this, you would have, like, nah, dog. She, she, she wanted her show to succeed. And, like, she hit it under the rug. I'm, I'm not buying that. Because if you're one of these big people, there's no way you're not going to do something about it. Bro, I ain't even gonna lie to you. You hitting that shit on the head again, bro. Because, like, for me, you letting HR deal with it is cowardice. That, you yeah. letting HR deal with it, you don't want to get your, quote-unquote, hands dirty. dirty you yep. letting HR deal with it, it's just like you acting like you don't see it because, like you said, you want your show to do as best as it can. And that's some bullshit. Because yeah. you can't call yourself a major part of this movement and then with some sh- Shit go down. You so run away. Let corporate handle the shit. Get Bro. the fuck out of here with that. And you like the show, like you're one of the main people that write the show. You're one of the head producers of it. You got a voice. You could go tell Showtime, yo, get rid of this nigga because he's doing this. And like you said, you take these stands, but like when it comes when 
we see now that when at her words mean less than her actions because she didn't do anything. Like when the fire came to you, it was like, all right, am I going? Am I going to stand up? Or am I going cut tail and run? She cut tail and ran. She was she most concerned about her bro. Like that's and that's a shame. Like I just I just thought I had more. I I don't want to say risk. I don't want to say I lost respect, but it's just like I know you're not that type of person now. Right. Like I know that you was just one of those one of the millions. Of, of the all that's talks. Just, that's all talk on Twitter, but when it comes time to put boots on the ground, you run it off. Yeah, so, like, I don't want to hear shit from her for a while. I don't want to hear, like, no, bro, because you didn't do nothing. Like, you can't you can't sit, tell me shit now. Like, it's just, like, I understand, like, and I'm going to still watch and, and watch all her shows. I'm going to still, like, do love all her work. But it's just, like, when it comes to that, the, the activists, the, the the moral justice, like, the, yeah, the, you're the, doing the, that for the stuff of humans. Yeah, like I, I, you're a little different. Corny. I look at you a little different now. You know what I mean? And it's 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 sad to say. It really is, bro. That shit was corny for me because I was just like, you really had the chance to get in front of that, and you dropped the fucking ball. You had the yeah. chance to get in front of that. You could have been the you could have been the narrator of that story. And and, and people would have you honestly for your show. It might have worked better for you in your favor if you come out and you're like, yo. I'm I'm I would have been a big supporter of this Me Too movement, and I'm here to show women that we stand together. And this woman came and made a complaint, and we took care of it. I didn't let it up to corporate. Exactly, and you know the bro. narrative people would have that shit would have blew up, bro. If she would have been in front, if she would have got in front of it, it would have blew up, bro. But instead, you you were more concerned about keeping your act and keeping your show going, and it just it just blew up in your face. Yeah, that shit was a bad look. I don't bad, know. bad mm-hmm. look. But mm-hmm. let's talk about another bad look. And, and I don't even know if it's it, just weird. It, it, like, I don't know if like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just don't know. The, the Kanye Letterman interview, I thought was, I thought was garbage, bro. Like bro. Letterman, it was just the same cheesy interview with Kanye. Didn't ask him no tough questions. Hot air. Damon Letterman was blowing hot air up Kanye's at the fact that the bathroom shit made the fucking interview <laughs> was fucking ridiculous, bro. The way he started it. When you eat for breakfast today, I'm like, yo, David Letterman really got me fucked up. I knew when he said that that it was gonna be a weird ass interview. And the fact that Kanye told the nigga, you can't talk about my family. You can't ask no questions about Drake. You can't ask no questions. Bro, we, 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 you can't ask no questions about politics. Bro, what, what do you mean? This well, did you see the way the he asked year. him questions about family? What song do you sing to your kids at night? And the nigga said, I freestyle. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I really wanted to call you, but I was like, you know what? I want to make sure that all my reactions is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't text you nothing about the run-out testing or nothing about this. I was like, I want all my shit to be wrong. I was so confused. I'm like, what the fuck Lynn got me watching? This is some bullshit. They, both, they must both be on drugs right now. Bro, it was wild. And then, like, the nigga talking, like, I get all the mental health stuff. Cool. We, we got we to gotta get, get that out there. But then... My thing, when you come and talk about the 808s is, de- is, is devil music and all that, I'm like, oh, so you really going to this, to this, to this, playing into this Christianity stuff for, yes, the, for, the, for, the, for the look. And oh it's like, bro, God. you made a whole album called 808s and Heartbreak. Get the fuck out of here, my dog. It was like, you could tell, like, like you said about all the stuff that he told Letterman he couldn't ask him. 
you could tell that the interview was dictated by Kanye before Kanye even popped up. Yeah, like it was, and, and, I, and that makes uh, it, that makes sense why he didn't go on Joe Rogan's podcast because Joe Rogan had said, "Yo, Kanye's coming on," and pro- Joe Rogan probably put his foot down and was like, "Bro, I'm talking about what I want to talk about. Like, you're not about to just." That's why he hasn't been anything. interviewed by anybody else, bro. Because yeah. everybody else in New York, Letterman do his own thing, and he's not a part of on network no more. But if he was, if he'd have been, if he'd have still been doing his late night shit. They'd have been like, bro, fuck out of here. Ask him them questions. Yeah. But because he was single, he could do what the fuck he wants. Just his Netflix special. But the rest of them New York niggas that was trying to interview him, he was shutting everything down because they was not going to sugarcoat it. They was not going to let Kanye dictate the interview. Because at that point, this is just PR for you, nigga. Fuck you. Yeah, like, And that's, that's what this was. Yeah. That's just PR for Kanye. I was like, wow, Letterman, you really sold out for this. Yeah, like and it's crazy because Letterman did a good job with Obama. I like the Jay Z shit. That's what I'm saying. And it's like I thought I thought it like we getting like I because I love Letterman. And it's just like this. I I lost a little bit of that little bit of points for this one because that was definitely scripted for this one. And yeah, it was, like, it was just like yo, if Kanye was giving you all these restrictions, drop it. Yeah, just say no. Because at the end of the day, Kanye, you don't really tease your next guest anyways. So if it had been some shit where he didn't, you know. Want to come on the show? Cool. Drop yeah. it. Whatever. And then you could have spun, like, another, you could have been like, I wanted to talk to him about what I wanted to, like, these things because I felt he needed to speak about it. He could have got in front of it. You're right. He could have got like, in front of it and been like, yo, my next guest was going to be Kanye, but he hit me with all these guidelines and restrictions, and I wasn't with that shit. Exactly. Like, Letterman did the, like, I know, I know people are like, oh, it's a Kanye interview, but... To me, there's people who I feel like have cachet to where it's like, you don't need them. Letterman's one of those people, he doesn't need Kanye West. He doesn't need him, right. He doesn't need him. That's like Howard Stern, like Charlemagne, like some of these, like Elliot Wilson. You don't need these types. Like, you guys are like the GOAT. He just had Jay-Z and Obama on his show. You don't need Kanye, bro. Like, that's why it was crazy to me, because I'm like, I was just, I like, I went into it thinking about the last three or four of the, you know, my next guest needs no introductions. Like, wow, he really killed that shit. So I'm thinking, ooh, Letterman about to ask Kanye the tough questions. But when it started and I seen seen, uh, Kim in the front row, I knew. (laughs) When I seen Kim, I knew, bro. I don't know what it was about seeing Chris was in the back. Bro, when I seen that (laughs) shit, I was like, oh, man. This shit gonna be on E, nigga. Yeah. I was like, wow, bro. I was like, nah. Whatever you about to ask him is gonna be trash. Kim, Kim, Chris told Kim, look, take care of your husband. Oh, we're gonna have to let him go. Last and look, we've been us. talking about Chris, bro. She the hardest working woman on this planet. Bro, the devil work hard, but Chris Jenner works harder, bro. Like, Chris got that straight, bro. Chris probably put Kanye on that shit where it's like, okay, bro, I'm back telling you, bro. Yeah, right? bro. Yeah. Come on. Anything that's going on that got her brand of, attached to it, she got a hand in it. And I, don't, I, don't, I can't be mad about her for that. No, she I'm get, not. She get into her bag and nobody gonna stop her. And I'm like, go ahead, bitch. Do your thing. Do you think, Chris? But for Kanye, and, for me and Letterman, that shit was whack. Because you can yeah, tell it was yeah, big time. Yeah, they like, was like, like, they was talking about the clothes in the dressing room, and he was like, and they, I don't want to look like the, the old easy. dad who's cool. I was like, this is so scripted. Yeah, like I, I the, that whole, you know, you, you, you hit it on their head. That was just cheesy and corny, and I just, 
I just uh, expect, expected more. I want to yeah. say this real quick. Shout out to Meg Thee Stallion, man. Like, I, I want to say shout out to Meg. I watched I'm an listening. interview with her and Joe Budden. I, 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 I like, look, I, I see that Meg has aspirations for more. And, like, she writes her music. And I feel like I've been too hard on her. I want to give her her props. She's an intelligent woman. And, like, I want to see her succeed. She not, She's just not out here. There's a pr- Plan to, there's a method to the madness. Like what she doing right now? That's just hot girl Tina. She got a she got uh she she got no hot girl Meg. I'm sorry, hot girl Meg. She got she got she got all kind of different stuff coming, and I and I, I I buy it now. Like this is just hot girl Meg is for the summer. Just just twerking, and when she gets into her album, she says she's gonna start talking about her mom and how that affected her. She gonna get into her introspective bag. So I'm ready to see her really rap. And do this because now I think she can rap and I, and I don't feel like she's just gonna stick in this Cardi B lane. And if she can switch it after she get the, the popularity, oh, she might get the number one spot. All I'm gonna say is the only heart I got on for Meg ain't with my words. That oh, girl is fine as shit, Liz. Yeah, no, now, regardless is. if she's selling sex or not, she's still a stallion, dog. All I'm trying to say <laughs> is, go ahead with your bad self, hot girl, Meg. Do your shit. <laughs> regardless, bro, all I've been seeing, all, and you know that Summer Jam just happened. Hot 97, yeah. New York. You know I had to see the shit. She pulled up on stage with them denim, that piece of denim on. Ah, almost <laughs> lost my goddamn marbles. But if, if what she says is true, because I did watch the Joe Budden podcast, I mean, I, I did watch an interview with Joe Budden, and I did watch her interview with Sway before she did her freestyle, and it sounds like she knows what she's doing. She's like, yo, yeah. I got to sell sex to get to the top to make these niggas listen to me. And it makes sense because there's a lot of girls, Rap City, there's a lot of girls... Kamaya, that's not selling sex, and they first, they first couple mixtapes did great. They, they, they did well, but they could have done great, but because niggas don't want to listen to girls and girls who buy most of the fucking music, yeah, they don't want to listen, listen to yeah. that introspective shit. They want to, you know, I want to turn up, on, you know, they, you know, what I'm saying they want yeah, to be, you know, be ratchet, they want yeah. to be ratchet. Real ass bitch give a fuck about a nigga, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit. And, and, and Meg says she, she, and like, I thought it was interesting what she said about Trey Song. She was like, yeah, Trey confident coming at me, telling me he's gonna knock my head off. But look, I'm confident too. I'm knocking these niggas' heads off. Niggas not gonna come talk to me any kind of way. And I respect that. Don't let these niggas come talk to you any kind of way, Meg. Do your thing, girl. And I, like you said, I, I just respect it. So I, I wanna see, I just wanna say shout out to Meg the Stallion. Keep killing it. I've caught fine ass. You, no, nah, no, nah, I, fuck, I fuck with it. Like, I, the two rappers, the two female rappers that I'm championing right now, Tierra Whack and, and Meg, Meg pulled it up on that. Like, if I got to pick a ratchet when I'm picking Meg, because, bro, why Cardi brought, why Cardi uh, did seem like she didn't know that was uh, Old Town Road was Lil Nas X song? Bro. Cardi just bro. keeps doing dumb, dumb, Nah, dumb it's music, not bro. even Cardi, bro. There's this, this narrative going around New York from New York artists that are big. That they trying to act like they don't know who he is. And Dave East started that shit. And don't get me wrong, I ain't got nothing against Dave East. I'm not a fan. But oh. this nigga was really a whole three-minute rant on Instagram about how he don't fuck with Lil Nas, he don't fuck with the dumbass song, this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, bro, since you've been hot, there's been so many dance crazes. You could have came out on JB on JB uh JB Blackboy, you could have came out against the the nigga from Detroit that did all, 
all those damn dance songs. You could have yeah. so much shit, but you waited they, for this kid because he hit number one. Yeah, they and that's when I was like, bro, go ahead and take your ass back to Maryland with that corny shit. Stop rapping <laughs> Harlem. Ow, bro, I was so mad when I saw that shit. Uh, for me, it's just like, bro, let the black boy win. He's like 19, bro. Let him do his thing. He gets He's not even bro. doing nothing. That's right. Not He's not doing nothing to nobody. So for me, it was like, Davies, you coming out the side of your neck for no reason, bro. That shit is corny. And now you're part of Maryland. Stop coming to Harlem, nigga. You're not welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> but now that's, that's just how I, I was like, man, why Cardi? I, and it's cool. Billy Ray came on the summer James saying, and I, and I, I I'm not 100 percent sure if she brought Lil Nas out, but she brought Billy out first, and I'm like, that's a Lil Nas song. Like, what, like, like, what? Bring him out too. Like, bring them both out. But like, I don't know. It's just retarded. Just felt like she bro. was like made, made it seem like that was Billy's song and not Lil Nas, and I was just like. It just looked like, like she was cloud chasing because she. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, we obviously we all knew that the song was gonna be good, but obviously Billy Ray getting on the song put it at number one. Obviously. But yeah, big facts. The fact that you waited for the, you know, you were just trying to get the guy that made it number one to pop up on it, like, bro, I don't think you understood the 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 chemistry between the two that made it number one. It wasn't mm. just one person that made it number one. Billy Ray's only number one was the achy breaky heart, bitch. What you talking about? <laughs> that was 30 years ago, nigga. What the fuck? It's like he's Drake and he ranking in the number ones. He's not Michael Jackson or nothing. Like, come on. Yeah, no big facts. And just uh, shit. Cardi came out with the Cardi came out with the, the stallion, the the, the 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 hat and everything. I was like, that's mm. mad. Look, stop trying. Like, that's I feel like he no man. Bro, it was for. so it was so corny. And the last song she just dropped with the press thing, and it's like, Cardi. You losing your, you losing your clout, yeah, shorty. That, you losing that your press clout. not hard. I'm, that pressure is whack. Yeah. Offset need to get back in the booth. Maybe they need to call <laughs> Lil Yachty up because y'all know they need to be writing hits. Y'all yo, need to Lil do something. City girls, yo, Lil Yachty wrote something. I, yo, I heard a little birdie told me that there was a lot of writers on that that Brody A. Cardi shit. Like I, uh, I, I don't know if you remember how I shouted out my cousin. Yeah. I got I got a little birdie told me that there was a lot of writers on that Bartie Cardi shit. Obviously, 21 did his own shit, but there was a lot of writers on that shit. And it's just like, bro, if, if you need, you know, uh, QC to write your shit, you just better call him. Call, she be, you better call on better Tyrone. Go back to, so. She better she better call Partisan Fontaine back in Robo that yellow. Yeah, yeah. come back to the cut. Like, and you know it's fucked up because the niggas are still in the Bronx. That shit is yeah. fucked up, bro. They still in the but Bronx. But hey, bro. I'm, but hey, shout out to Party because he he I think he's gonna make it not soon because like he he got that he had that smash with her that that song bubbling and then he got some jams right now. I like that Madden and drop. Shout out to I, Funk because Funk's a cornball, but Funk do be fucking with him because Funk know who wrote the songs. But yeah. It's just fucked. It's just fucked up that you know. It's just fucked up that the niggas are still in the Bronx and like, bro, a lot of the, a lot of the niggas that wrote her hits is either in Atlanta or in the Bronx. They ain't nowhere near Hollywood. Yeah, and they and ain't she... nowhere near that loving hip hop set. Hmm. At big least give a nigga some TV time. So big, big, big facts. Bro, so let, I want to take it real quick back to basketball, but it's, it's not, we're not talking about who you're talking about, what came out recently about this, oh, this basketball shit. analyst. Bro, Paul Pierce, when he did that, he shit oh, himself. Oh, I knew you was going to say that, bro. Yeah, bro. Bro, bro I've been crying. <laughs> because all I can think about is myself as somebody who doesn't like to take shits in public, 
And I remember I would be working as a restaurant. And if you didn't take the shit, it would literally make your knees buckle. So bro, it was he, funny to me that he faked this shit because he realized, yo, bro, if I don't fake it right now, I'm going to fuck around and collapse on this court because <laughs> I'm, I'm holding in a shit when I'm playing the game. Bro, he would have dead ass collapsed. Bro, they made people carry him with a shitty draws. <laughs> like they carried his legs. Bro, I love how he said <laughs> it. For those like, who don't know what we... And for those who don't know what we're talking about, this is when the Celtics played the Lakers when they won a championship and Paul Pierce collapsed and they said he had a knee injury. He, he went, he, they saw him in a wheelchair in the back, but he, and he came run out the tunnel. That's what we're talking about. And he had a nigga in a wheelchair. It's funny that he waited all these years to say something because honestly, bro, I'm the type of nigga, I was taking to the grave. Yeah, I, was I wasn't telling grave, nobody nothing. Taking that to the grave, bro. Because the only reason why people find out he had shit stains is because niggas went back after he said, I had to use the bathroom, so now niggas is like, you know how, look, they could go back on, on Kevin Hart's Twitter from 12 years ago, you know they could pull up archive footage from the finals real fast. And, and look at you, real white fast. pants. Yo, yeah, I'm definitely, that's a take it to the grave moment. I'm not telling, I'm not no, telling. like only the people in the league who know, know, and even if they say something, I'm disputing it, it all, I'm, I'm just, nah dog, live with the lie. That's a live with the lie moment. That's a fact, bro. Like, I'm not. There's no way in hell. No. And shout not out to the analyst. You know, shout out to the analyst that was on the thing that didn't finals. ask him to, you know, elaborate. Because like, if I was if I was Rachel Nichols, I'd have been like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You had to use the bathroom. Like, and I know they asked him after it went to break, but like on the air, when, when he said that to Rachel, I'd have been like, what you mean you had to use the bathroom? And bro, I, I would have I started laughing. Yeah, the beat, I'm like, wait. I don't like you shit yourself, bro. In the fight, like, bro, in the finals, like, that's crazy. Like, niggas it fell, and niggas grabbed his leg and was carrying him and brought him. Like, nah, dog. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No. Meanwhile, he not, got a whole skid mark. I'm not carrying you. I'm not carrying you with a shark in your pants. I'm sorry. You gonna walk? Wow. Like, nah, nigga. Uh-uh, no, sir. Like, I, you my teammate and everything, but I'm not getting shit on my hands. Like, right. what the fuck? You my like, teammate. You're not my son or my daughter. You're acting you, different. Crazy. Like, you better call the training staff. That's what you we better jail, call fuck. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> fuck no, nigga. Uh-uh. That shit is hilarious. And then, also, I want to bring this up before we before we finish up. Le'Veon Bell, bro, his GF, or his oh, ex-GF, stole... Five hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of jewelry. It all right, was reported all right. The other day by TMZ. <laughs> Hold on, where, where my AB jersey at? Where my where my Big Ben jersey at? So I can show you how deep I ain't got it right here. My, I I can see my Big Ben shit. I want you to know from the deepest part of my golden black heart. That's what your bitch ass get. That's what your funky ass. I want to play. For the franchise tag, ass get. And shout out to UL and Elijah McGuire, because I hope you take your spot, you bitch ass motherfucker. Steal is up. Fuck you. And that's why she stole all your fucking jewelry. Stop dating these stocks, stupid. I, yo, I saw that shit. I didn't know you was going to bring that shit up. I saw that shit and I was just smiling at my phone. I was like, hmm, how that feel, dog? 
You acting like Offset, nigga. You acting stupid, bro. Come on, Yo, this, bro. This nigga B, I totally forgot this nigga was a steal. You gotta lock like that bitch. You gotta lock like that bitch in the room. Have your body go on the outside. But you know what? I don't give advice to fuck niggas. I don't give advice to them type of niggas, bro. Fuck him. Fuck him. Yo, my nigga B got said said love me. I got too comfortable. Oh, way too, too comfortable. Told a bodyguard he could go home early. The fuck out of here. Don't trust these thoughts, bro. They got too many fucking followers on Instagram. Don't trust these bitches. <laughs> B said I don't give advice to fuck niggas. Yo, <laughs> fuck that shit, bro. Bro, I seen that jets. shit. I seen Juju dancing to that chant of fuck AB, <laughs> and I was like, I'm watching my shit like fuck AB. Fuck AB, like, <laughs> fuck them niggas, bro. Fuck them niggas. And you see, it's that karma, bro. You leave and shit just go bad. Blacks go got shot in the leg and shit. Don't leave my team, bitch. Bad things happen to you after you leave my team, dog. Fuck them niggas, man. Oh, that shit is hilarious. Oh, God. Well, I'm on that note. Yo, that is freaking hilarious. But, yeah, that's all we really got this week for the news stories and everything. So, with that being said, this week's episode of the Bros You Think Podcast is brought to you by the Edge Barbershop. Be sure to check out the Edge Barbershop if you want the flyest haircut. You need to get your shampoo on. You need to get a razor line. Maybe maybe get your beard game looking right. Look no further than the Edge Barbershop. Located at 15, uh, 1520 South College Road, right next to the Popeye's Buffet. And it's the only Popeye's buffet in yep. the world. So be sure to go there. Look, if you want the flyest razor line, look at Brock, Chaz the Barber, Spody mm-hmm. the Barber, or check, look no further. And be sure to go to the Edge Barbershop, again, located at 15, uh, 1512, not 1520, 1512 South College Road, located right next to the Popeye's buffet. Again, Charlie Clips, Young Spody the Barber, Chaz the Barber, D-Boy the Barber, or Brock. And be sure to follow them at the Edge Period Barbershop on Instagram. And again, located at 1512 South College Road. And let them know that the bros who think sent you. And you may get a discount on your next haircut. But without further ado, let's get into Bros Who Ball. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Bros Who Think Podcast, or this is the Bros Who Ball, the segment on the Bros Who Think Podcast. Now, look, this is a weird way I'm introing this pod. I'm going to say my name is Lennon Burton, a.k.a. Youngboy DeWitts, a.k.a. The People's Champ, a.k.a. Beard Gang is in the motherfucking building. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. So, look, this is either going to be episode 98 or this is going to be just uh, NBA Finals talk with Bros Who Ball. Like, it's going to be one or the other because, because I was moving the studio today, getting into a new house. Brooklyn had a time period in when he could work, and I missed that time period. Plus, he had allergies, so my homie was sick. But he got medicine. He got healthy. The thing is, if we get a chance to get it done, then this will be episode 98, and this will go as Bros Who Ball normally and this won't matter now if we don't get a chance to get everything done by tomorrow when we put it out then you guys are going to just get this a little special nba talk we're going to throw in some extra stuff we're going to just get you know i'm going to introduce my guys who are with me and we're just going to talk 
But we wanted to give you a pod no matter what, but we're not going to call it episode 98 if it's not fully 98 because we want to get to the 100 the right way. So this will just be NBA final special, game three recap, you know, something like that, you know. But I'm joined by my guys as always. Let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Adam Schubert. Schubert, how you doing, brother? Yo, I don't know what we're doing right now. Like, it was I'm so confused. Weird. It was a weird <laughs> intro. <laughs> Bro, I had to move everything today. So, like, new studio. We're recording the first time in the new studio. So I'm excited. But, like, I missed the window. And, and, and if I show you the picture that Brooklyn sent me of his allergies, homie looked messed up. Ooh. Like, eye was red. His face was swollen. Like, he did not look good. Dang, man. Well, you yeah. know, I'm glad that we could get something done. Because for me and Justin, I know it's business as usual. We're ready to, we're ready to roll. And speaking of, Justin, we have our NBA analyst, our basketball savant, our expert when it comes to hoops that's not named Lyndon the Black Swami. We got Justin Baptiste in the building. Jay, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing great, man. Great intro, as always, but I'm doing good, man. I just watched game three, and it was another good game. Another no, good one game. 100%. Justin, I like the nickname for you, the basketball savant. How do you feel I like about that? Too. It has a ring to it. The basketball, the black swami, the basketball savant, and Shuby. <laughs> like, young shoes. <laughs> but Shuby was the swami this week. Yeah, you were. Did I, did I, you were, you were, did, or you did I not guarantee that the you, Raptors were in game one? I'm going to put the round of applause uh, sound effect right here for you because, yes, Guaranteed. you did. Guaranteed. I must applaud you. That is really dope. You got it right. You swami did. Now, look, are we going to talk playoffs first? Are we going to talk Pe- – let's talk Pellies last. Let's just talk about the playoffs. So, game one happened. Shuby, you were right, man. You predicted game one of what, what happened. The, the Raptors came out and won game one. The Warriors looked – I won't say – lethargic but they just didn't look into it they they didn't get into it until like the second half the shots weren't falling it proved that that rest hurt and then we see the Raptors hit everything and when I mean everything they hit everything like Van Vliet went off Lowry like Lowry was he was the guy of the night game one it was the it was the Siakam game I'm trying to pull up he had 32 points eight rebounds five assists Kawhi had 23 uh, the Warriors at the other end. Steph, of course, came up with 34. You know, I think the way the way that I saw it, and the way the reason I guaranteed the Raptors would win is I kind of saw this as a way for the Warriors to feel out what they were going up against. This was all the Raptors had all the momentum going in. It was a home game. They've obviously kind of dominated the home field atmosphere all playoffs long. So they were going to have the energy. They were going to, and they were also coming off a big Game Seven win. So and I mean, I when you have Marc Gasol getting 20 points, going six for 10 and two for four from three, that's in, in Danny Green shooting. Like I said, Van Vliet with 15. You were right. The Raptors had the momentum. Yeah, for sure. And the Warriors were at, I, I felt the whole way. We're just going to feel this team out. They were without Durant. They didn't really play Boogie that much. He did get a, a good bit of minutes. He only had eight. But um, so they were trying to get him him into the system so it was a lot of the Warriors trying to figure out where they stood in this series so that's why I felt the Raptors were guaranteed to win that game and Iguodala is hit or miss Iguodala is on one game off one game game one he was off and then we see game two he comes on Justin real quick before we jump into talking about the series and talking about game two what did you think of game one 
Raptors coming out and winning that game. And what would just give us your quick takeaways? Well, I thought that um, I thought that the Raptors they really came out ready to play, and the Warriors just didn't come out ready to play. They came out flat. The defense didn't look good, and and um, big. Big yeah, they, yeah, the Warriors, they, they they came out flat. They didn't look good. And Pascal Siakam, he, he played a huge game. And the and the Raptors really were focused. They were locked in on defense and offense, and they made plays. Yeah, I mean, when Pascal Siakam gets you 32 points, eight rebounds, and five assists, he it, it's hard to beat the, the Raptors when he has 32, Leonard has 23, and Gasol has 20 when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the only one getting points literally for Golden State. I think that's a big key going forward when we get to game two and discussing how game three happened. Steph Curry needs help and we see Draymond Green isn't playing to the level of how he played in the Western Conference Finals. I think he has matchups like uh, Ibaka, like a uh, uh, Leonard, like a Siakam, like a Gasol that's kind of messing with him offensively. Defensively, he's doing his thing. He's pushing the ball. He's still getting assists. He's getting rebounds. He had a triple-doubles in the finals, but 10 points isn't going to cut it. He needs more. So they lose that game one. Let, and Shubi was right. They just they came out and they looked lethargic, and it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the wave. Let's jump to game two where they win 109-104. It, Draymond Green has that 17-point game. Uh, Clay has 25. Steph has 23. DeMarcus came in with 11, 10, and 6 assists. And then Iguodala hits a tough, tough shot to close out the game. Wide open. The, uh, wide open, exactly. On the opposite side, we see Pascal Siakam not get that big game, and he goes 5 for 18 and gets 12. We see Kawhi Leonard, main point guy, with 34. Marcus Gasol was Flat two for seven. Kyle Lowry was the only other one in double digits with 13. Oh, and Van Vliet had 17. So we see an opposite. The shooting didn't work for the Raptors in this game, but Clay Thompson goes down with an injury. The Warriors are just getting injured after injured. But this is where we see a healthy Iguodala, where he can guard and play defense. We see DeMarcus Cousins making an effect in the game. Uh, let's start with Justin this time. Justin, what were your takeaways from game two in the Warriors win? Well, game game two, it was very even throughout the whole game. The whole the uh, the 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 point that really caught my eye was was when Clay Thompson had went down. That's when the game really started. I felt like because uh, it was the game was uh, very close throughout the whole game, and then it seemed like both teams they couldn't score, and then the Raptors that should have been the Raptors' time to take over because Clay. Thompson, he was down. They were at home, and they just couldn't capitalize. And the Warriors, they they did what champions did, and they capitalized, and they and they won game two without Clay Thompson. You know, and they he, almost he a big shot. No, he no, no. Shot. yeah, he had yeah. a big shot. Yeah, they they did. I mean, they they close the deal. They could have folded on the road without Clay Thompson, but they they found they found a way to win. And I really they, feel like that was a chance for the Raptors to really take control of, of the series. That was like it reminded me. Yeah. It reminded me of that Houston Rockets moment when KD went down. How Houston can capitalize, and yeah, I, they had a point where Steph Curry throws a wild pass. Sean, if Sean Livingston doesn't meet his pass, that's a turnover in the game. Right. game. It, it 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 just shifts. But uh, Sean Livingston meets his pass, passes it to Iguodala. Iguodala could have ran the clock out, but he said, "You know what? F this. I trust my shot. They left me wide open. Seals the game for him." Schubert, what's your takeaway from Game Two before we discuss how Game Two really affects Game Three? Well, you know, at the end of it, you know, you can't leave Andre Iguodala open. You got to remember who he is. <laughs> big but, facts. <laughs> I mean, big facts there. Like, 
you know, Andre Iguodala is he was a Finals MVP for a reason. But I think the big thing with the Raptors here was they had the golden opportunity to be at home and take advantage of the Warriors when they were a little bit hurt at the end of the game, and they just did not come up with it. It was more missed shots. They had all the opportunities. They were playing defense. They played fantastic defense in the last two minutes of that game, but they weren't scoring on the other end. And that was the big big issue with the Raptors at that point. Kawhi Leonard is really the only producer of points. There's a lot of times where they would drive inside and then tr- kick it out for a three uh, when it was around the 106-101 range, which I thought was dumb because they should have gotten some of those two points, get a rhythm back into it. But they were just taking a, taking three-point shots that probably weren't exactly there. I mean, um, look, the team shot 28% from three to the Warriors 38%. That's, exactly. That's, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. And then shot um, 37 from two. To the Warriors, forty-six. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with Clay Thompson going out in that game, I feel like that. You know, I don't think the, it affected the Warriors at that point, but I think that that just had the big repercussions of coming out of that game. No, I agree with you. I don't think it affected them that night. And then we see Boogie Cousins, who has a great, great game, but it's his first game back and plays 28 minutes. We also see that affect the Warriors tonight because he looks like he's going to get a max contract from the Lakers in, in game two for how he played. To now, I don't know. If, I don't know if the Lakers won't even touch him after game three. And it, it's that's how bad he played compared. But he didn't have his legs with him, and we see we saw him overexert himself, and we see with the Warriors going man down getting into game three being when you lose clay thompson kd boogie cousins is not playing up the far andre Iguodala is not fully healthy steph curry's by himself but i want to applaud steph curry to the final so far playing big games and being a warrior in himself because he was sick that last game he has nicks and boots but he's playing in a championship level and i think the comment that on looney as well he's hurt too and that's a, yeah, kind of a big deal that is a big deal because they lose some of their big men. It, it, it's the first time in this Warriors dynasty that we've seen them get the injury bug, and it's like it's all happening at once. Another takeaway from game two, it, it, just like we said, DeMarcus Cousins played good. Draymond Green had close to almost another triple-double. And then, like we said, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson doing their thing. But I want to say this about Steph before we get into game three. I think Andre Iguodala's comments about him and the reason why he's still playing basketball is for Steph to make sure Steph's legacy doesn't get tarnished or he wants to see Steph get all the credit he's due. He's playing to help Steph win. I think that's so interesting when you think about a superstar. Like, I don't hear people saying, oh, I want to play to get LeBron to win. Oh, I want to play to get KD to win. Oh, I want to play to get... Like, this dude is playing and not retiring for Steph Curry. He could could retire and is a bona fide Hall of Famer. I just think it's interesting what he thinks of his leader of his team. I think it says a lot about who is in charge of that team and who is actually the star. Because we always want to say that Kevin Durant, who is probably the second best, maybe the best NBA player currently right now, he's not the number one player on his own team. That's why I've always had the issue of putting him as the number one player because until he takes over at a different franchise, he's never going to be the number one player of that team. And he's never going to get the credit. And we see that Steph, and we see that even when KD is there, Steph changes his game to, like, the ultimate teammate, the best teammate. And then when they're not there, 
Steph can torch and get on fire like we saw in Game 3. But, Justin, before we get to Game 3, I want to just get your take on Iguodala's comments because I know Steph Curry is your favorite player. How did you react to hearing those comments? And what, what, just what's your thoughts real quick on Steph Curry in this well, finals? <clears throat> it just shows how different Stephen Curry is, like, as a player and as a person. You know, like you guys said, you don't hear other players uh, say – you know, speak this highly of superstar players, and it just shows how great of a person he is. You know, we already know how great he is as a player. I mean, tonight he scored 47 points. You know, he basically carried this Warriors team. But I just think it's so impressive to see how how good of a person he is off the court. Yeah, it's just everything he does and what and the type of leader he is. It is flawless. But let's get to Game Three. The Raptors win 123-109. to Pascal Siakam has 18 points. Kawhi with another 30-point game. We see Kyle Lowry get in with 23. Gasol, 17. Uh, Danny Green, 18. And Van Vliet sticking with double digits with 11. The starters killed. And then we see the Warriors have real, real trouble with Steph Curry having to carry the load with 47. Iguodala got 11, but it wasn't enough. Draymond Green has to get over 17 with no Clay Thompson, but he had 17, and no one else in the war scored double figures. The closest person is Quinn Cook with nine. Schubert, what do you think? Is this more of the Raptors are taking control of the series, or is this more so the Warriors just not having enough bodies and they just don't have enough and they're outgunned? Well, the thing is, is when you have as many great players as the Warriors have, you can't fill up the team with other great players. Fact. So, I mean, you're in a situation here where you're playing like a bunch of guys that probably can't really contend with the Raptors, who have like, a solid, not get a solid five. And then off the bench, you have Ibaka, uh, Patrick McCaw, who knows the team that he's playing up against, Fred Van Vliet. Jody Meeks, who I mean, he's gotten, he's getting some minutes. He's actually not a bad player. I, I have a lot of, a lot of, I give Jeremy Lin a lot of credit. So I mean, there's a, the Raptors have a really good team, and if you're gonna put a team without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant, against the with a hurt you know, boogie, a hurt with a hurt boogie, Iggy's not Iggy of the past. It's just really hard for a team like that to beat anyone, much less the team who won the Eastern Conference. So, you know, if, if this is the Warriors team that's going to come out the rest of the finals, then you might as well just give this to Toronto. That's that's my opinion, but I don't think that's going to be the case because I think Clay Thompson at least might make his way back on the court. And, you know, I, that's the key here. Because I don't really know. I really think that Kevin Durant touching the floor really matters as long as Clay Thompson's around. We'll get to that in a second. I want to say this, and before we get to you, Justin, because I'm going to talk to you next. You can't have Quinn Cook getting 27 minutes, Andrew Bogut getting 22 minutes, McKinney getting 18 minutes, and then Iguodala having to play 31, overexerting himself, Draymond Green having to play 41, Steph playing 43, and then you have DeMarcus Cousins playing 19, who went 1 for 7, 0 of 1, 2 for 3 from the feet from free throw line. He looked like he couldn't jump off the floor that night, and it was, it's like I said, he went from playing for a max contract to like bro are you gonna be in the league next year like it, it was just night and day but that's because he was hurt justin would you think of game three talk about it from the toronto perspective what did you see from toronto that that really solidifies in the win or if you really do think it's the warriors were just outgunned then you can go that direction your passport right <clears throat> i think that the passport. 
Panthers, they just really took advantage. Um, they made shots. They, they made big shots. Every time, you know, the, the uh, Warriors were on their run, they would cut it down to 10 points. The Raptors still hit a big time shot. They turned three to, to thir 13. So I really think um, the Raptors, they took advantage of uh, the Warriors being undermanned. The Warriors, they need Clay, Clay Thompson and they need better defense point blank. I think if they have Clay Thompson, they're missing like they lost by 14. To, I, I want to say they lost by 14 points. You know, Clay Thompson's not uh, not there. He's giving you at, at least 20. So I think if they get Clay Thompson, if their defense improves, they can win this series. But if it's no Clay Thompson, then I think that the Raptors take this series. Let me say this about their defense. To your point, I'd say this. Golden State went on a run where they cut it to single digits. And at that point, their defense was impeccable. But like you said, the Raptors hit timely shots when the Warriors were missed. Like, I think it was at seven or eight at one point. The Warriors are going down. Steph Curry makes a three, but it, it, a foul happens. It get called off. That would have cut it from eight or seven down to, to five or four. And then it's a whole different game because they're playing that high-paced offense, and they're overexerting themselves. But like you said, I think the Raptors really hit timely shots, and like in game one, the shots were falling. But again, I have to applaud Steph Curry because the scoreboard doesn't reflect what I saw in the game. This game should have been more blown out than it was because there were times where Steph Curry and Draymond Green willed this team to single digits, and they were playing balls to the walls defense. I got to give credit to Bogut. He was moving his feet, drawing charges. But like I said, at, at one point, Steph Curry didn't have anybody else helping him score the ball. And the defense was there to for a certain point, but they couldn't put the ball in the basket. And, and, and I agree with you, the defense has to get better. But I think at spurts, we saw the championship warrior defense. But I just think they overexerted themselves and didn't have enough men. Let's talk about this. I'm going to throw it back to you, Shuby. I, I think if Klay Thompson comes back, I think the Warriors have a chance to win this finals. And I think it, the, the the scales tip back into the Warriors. Now, if Clay doesn't come back and KD comes back, I still think it tips in the Warriors' favor. Do do we yeah. feel, let's start off with Clay. Do you feel that Clay is coming back in this series? I know it's you you don't, you don't know too much about it. We, we, we're just guys talking hoops. But if you had to guess, do you think Clay comes back this series? You know, I think Clay has a better chance than KD. My thing here is I think that everyone, I think they're lying to us. I straight up think that they're lying to us. I think that KD is torn as Achilles, and no one want and and they just don't want to tell us because it's gonna but, hurt. But to, it's gonna hurt KD's stock. Do you not think to that point when we saw Boogie tears Achilles, he had stuff on his he he had a, a crutches. Like I saw KD when he was talking to Drake, walking and looking pretty nimble. Now I do think they exaggerated the injury. I just don't know necessarily if he's towards Achilles. My thing with KD is this. I'm making the prediction that I feel like he wants to be this white knight of Golden State. It's in perfect position for him. They're up 2-1. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kevin Durant playing game, game four. Because this is the I, game I wouldn't where, be surprised if we saw Kevin Durant playing game four. Interesting. Because, see, let, let me tell you why. Because the way Steve Kerr was talking about it, it seemed like they wanted him to play in game three. But because... Game three is only separated by game four with just one day and not a lot of rest. They were going to wait to bring him and Clay back for game four because Clay wanted to play a game three. But because of that day rest, I think that's why they're going to play for game four. I think KD, if he doesn't play for game four, we see him for game five. And I hope DeMarcus Cousins is more rested come game four. Justin, do you see Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson playing for the rest of this series? Yeah, I think. Um... Uh, I think Clay comes back in Game Four, and I I, I can see uh, KD coming back in Game Five. 
I'm with you on that. Up. I think they. I think uh, the Warriors take Game Four. This series is tied going back to to Toronto. Um, it's gonna be. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 series is gonna be tied two two, and I think it's gonna be perfect for Katie to come back and uh, you know take this series. Yeah, and be the White Knight, be, be the the savior of Golden State. Let's talk right. about. Let's talk about this. Uh, so if none of them come back, do we see? Golden State having a chance of beating Toronto, or do we think Toronto just has too much and Kawhi Leonard gets if none Toronto of them come back? back? Yeah, if none of them come back. No. Warriors you pick? I'm sorry. Okay. No, he think he just he's done. I mean, that's it, man. Like <laughs> that's the case. Like they, they just don't do not have enough talent on the team to keep up with the Warriors if they don't have Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant on the floor. Justin, what do you think? If if none of them come back, are you taking the Warriors to win it, or you think the Raptors outgun them and Toronto gets their first championship? I think that the Raptors have a better chance of winning, but I'm not going to just give it to them because, I mean, let's face it, the the, um, the Raptors, they're known to be inconsistent. Ooh, they were good. That was DeRozan. <laughs> the Raptors team. The Larry is not good for for, for twenty a night. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Justin on that point. Siakam, Dan Green, they're not good for fifty. For that, 20 no, a night. they're not. They're streaky. I'll say this: Van Vliet is the only one he can can, can consistently yes. count on in this finals, getting him double digits. That's and true. I'll say this: I'll say this. I think if none of them come back, I think it'll be in Toronto's favor. And I don't think I think it'll go. It, that's seven. They could maybe win it in six. But I do think if we see Lowry be inconsistent and continue fouling like crazy, and, and if Steph Curry goes berserk one night, then, hey, Golden State's back in it. And I'm with Justin on that because Pascal Siakam goes from 40 points to seven to 15 to seven to third. Like, you can't play it's that way. Inconsistent. Yeah. Inconsistent. Danny Green as well. And I'm with you. Kyle Lowry is one of the – like, he's the weirdest all-star in the playoffs, this like he is—it's insane because he'll go from 23 looking like one of the best point guards in the East to just being seven and looking like a, a dude that's on the cusp of retirement. Like, <laughs> like I, I just—I just don't get it. And then Marc Gasol, he's even worse. Marc Gasol goes from looking like the Gasol of old to like, bro, you should retire with dirt. Like, it's—it's it's, it's inconsistent. I want to ask y'all this: if we see. Either team right now, who would you say is the finals MVP from either team if you had to pick? Let's start with Justin first, and then we'll go shoot. I would say, uh, well, after to after um, tonight, if the Warriors win, Stephen Curry. And I think for the Raptors, it's Ka- Kawhi Leonard. 100%. Shuby, who are you going MVP both teams? I couldn't agree with more with that. I think Kawhi Leonard is obviously the best player for the Raptors. And Steph Curry, you know, he scored 47 points tonight, man. He's doing all, he's doing all that he can to will the Warriors to another finals victory. He really is. And I think, I think I posed this question more so to talk about the Warriors and Steph because it's interesting. From the nat- national perspective, I heard that, oh, like, for example, first take was like, if you had to get a clutch shot or if, you, if the Warriors need somebody to take over the game, who you count on, Iggy or uh, Steph? And Max Kellerman went with Iggy, and it's like some what? people are saying, crazy. Some people are saying, 
Some people are saying Iggy would be Finals MVP. Some people said Clay. Some people oh, even oh, said oh. Wait, wait, Finals MVP or take the, the last shot. Take the last both. shot. Both, both, like, Justin. Well, well, still, still, anyway. It's Crazy. Still, like, so that's my thing. And it's like, yes, Seth had 23 in game two, but that was a big, t- like, they needed that 23. And then to go for 41 tonight and just seeing what he does. Steph is by far the finals MVP of Golden State. Also, Lyndon, also Lyndon to say, I know like uh, the argument was, you know, after Iggy hit, hit after Iggy made that big shot, you know, should he be should he be finals MVP? But if he would have missed, they they were still up by three points. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it wasn't like it put them. It, it's, it's not like they were. Down it just by closed one, it out. It would it would have been no. It would, they were down by three, and it would have been five seconds left. And who gets the rebound? Is it a long rebound? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. like so that. They, it's five seconds left if it goes out of bounds, like, or if the Raptors get it and call a timeout. You know what I mean? We don't know what happens. So that that's a great point. Yeah. As, as well, Justin. Any other takeaways from Game Three, and then we'll get into predictions for Game Four. Let's start with you, Shuby. I think it's a big deal that they got to win in Golden State. Yeah, it really is. Because you know, at the end of the day. We're looking at three games into the finals. The Warriors are behind. The Raptors only need two more games. They only need two more. The Warriors have to win three more games. Like that's a big deal. That's that's a big deal. Like I don't care who's who's out, who's coming back. At the end of the day, the Raptors need to just stumble their way into two more wins, and that's one more win than the Warriors need to get. I mean, I, I think that's a crazy situation right now, and I think that it's crazy for anyone to think that the Raptors don't have a shot. No, no, I agree with you. The, to say that they don't have a shot is idiotic, and I definitely think they have a, a damn good shot. It's just when those guys come back, how healthy will they be? How much do they contribute? Those those two nuclear weapons really adjust the field, but I agree with you. Going into it, the Raptors just have to win two more games. The question is, will the, we know Kawhi Leonard's going to show up, but yeah. will the others show up? Justin, what's your final takeaways from game three going into game four, and we'll get into predictions? My final take is uh, if I'm the Warriors, if I'm the Warriors staff, Warriors team, we're looking at defense. How can we improve on defense? Because I honestly think that Curry could score. I think Curry could really score 40 points again. I think he's he's having that type of playoff run, and I think that the offense is going to be there. You know, Draymond Green is going to find players, but I think if they want to win without Clay, if they don't have Clay Thompson or with Clay Thompson, I think their defense has to be a lot better. I'm with you on that. My final yeah. takeaways from this is Draymond Green, you have to get over 17 points. I know you're not a scorer, but you got to get in 20 if Clay's not there. You also have to get your double digit assists. You can't have four assists because you have to find the easy uh, buckets yeah, for good. the Demarcus Cousins, for the Sean Livingstons, for the Jordan Bells, for the Jericho's, for the McKinney's. You got to get them those layups for Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut can't, if he's going to get double digits like he did in game two, you have to find him those easy buckets and you. You can't get four assists. The Warriors not only need you to score 20, but they need you to get 10 assists. That's he needs to be the fast break guy. Yeah, bro. He has yeah. to be the playmaker. Like, like, for, like right now, Steph is the primary scorer, but Draymond Green has to be the primary playmaker. He has to get everyone involved and be the second man scorer. If you want to show you're a max player and you deserve this, now's the time to do it, Draymond. Like, if you want to show why you're going to get this contract and why you mean so much to the Warriors, this is how you do it. You go out, get you your 20 points, and get you your 10 assists, and feed the team and win this playoff, not only without Kevin Durant, but without Klay Thompson. If they do that, and he can get a, a Boogie Cousins an easy 10, a Sean Livingston an easy 10, or, some, or two other players an easy 10, then 
that can get the Warriors to the finals and get them to win that championship. But if Draymond Green isn't the the playmaker, then I don't know how the Warriors do it because Steph can't score 40 and playmake at the same time. He'll get seven, six assists because that's Steph Curry. But we can't expect Steph to get 10 assists, 15 assists, and score 41 and have to check Kyle. Like, that's too much asking of Steph Curry, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Draymond has to do more. Draymond has to do more, and that's, and, and that's my final takeaway from this game. Let's go into predictions for game four. Shuby, I'll start with you. Where do you think game four goes, and who do you think takes the victory? Uh, I think it's really hard to, to consider that right now because I think all the variables end up in who plays for the Warriors. We've said it time and time again. If, if Clay or KD can get on the floor in game four, I would have to go with the Warriors. But if they can't, then it's it's the Raptors to lose. Yeah, I, I'm, I, that that is very true, Justin. I can't, get, I, I can't. I, well, here's the one thing I will say: I can't imagine that the Warriors, regardless of the situation, lose one, lose both games at home. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Warriors. I feel you on that, Justin. Give us your predictions for Game Four. What you think is going to go down? I have a question. So, uh, Chris Paul, when he um, when he was out for for the whole series, he. Uh, he had the same injury as um, what injury did he have? I know he it was a hamstring I, injury, right? I feel like he tore his hamstring. Clay's is just sprained. It's just sprained. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I honestly feel like Clay's gonna come back. I think. I mean, I, I really feel like he's gonna come back in Game Four. I think he's he's gonna come back, and I think the Warriors take it and they win by ten. One hundred percent. I'm. I'll say this: if if Clay comes back, I think they win. If KD comes back, I think they win. Now, if they don't come back, I think, like Schubert said, I don't see the Warriors losing two at Oracle, and I think we see Quinn Cook actually hit some more of those threes. I think we see Jarebko hit some more of those threes. I think we see McKinney hit some, some more of those threes because they're going to be at home. They're going to be feeding off the crowd. And like Justin said, I think Steph Curry is going to get could get another 40 points just as easily he got it tonight. But like I said, Draymond Green is the key for them to get this victory. Now, if if none of those nuclear weapons come back, will Kawhi Leonard step up and, and dominate the fourth quarter? We've seen Kawhi Leonard get 30 and get 30 easily. But I want to pose this question. Has Kawhi Leonard, as great as he's been, do we feel he's faded in the fourth quarter? No. You, yeah, you know, I, I don't think he has. My, okay, I'll say this. If you look at game two, and even if you look at game one, I think he hasn't been scoring in the fourth quarters as much as people are believing. I think he gets his points early, and I think in those fourth quarters situations when they come in clutch, I think he's missing more shots than he's making. I just want to point that out to the listeners, and let's see if it continues, or if, if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you guys let me know. And if Kawhi's just balling out in the fourth, tweet at me. Be like, yo, Lynn, Kawhi's balling out in the fourth, man. You were wrong. But I just want to keep keep that as a note to look at going forward. I don't think you have to ball out in the fourth quarter to, to have your clutch taken away, like your clutch card taken away. Like I don't think that it's been Kawhi's not performed in the fourth quarter. I just don't really think that he's had to, like, do all yeah, that people expect him to do because like his team has been playing so well i think yeah he had, yeah he hasn't really had to take over the fourth oh well, in, in game one in game three i agree i'm, ta- I'm talking more game two and if oh, we're gonna see two? 
Yeah, if we see more of a reaction like game two, then he's going to have to come up in the fourth to close out that game. Because like we, like we said, we think Golden State's going to play well in Oracle. And that means Kawhi Leonard's going to have to not only get his 30, but he's going to have to come through in that fourth and close it out. That That's where I'm going at with that. I'm yeah, wondering what happened in game two. Go for it, Justin. You need he, he definitely has to uh, come through. But I think, like, in game two, it, it wasn't him shining away. He just wasn't ma- making shots. But as far as coming through, he does have to come through. But I don't think he's shining away. No, no. Yeah. And, and that's my thing. He's not shining. Great point, Justin. He's not making shots. He's two for, two for nine in game, two from three, and eight for 20. That won't cut it. Kawhi can't just make eight shots yeah. of 20. Like, and, and he was minus 14. Like, his plus or minus, he wasn't positive. Yeah. And, you know, with game two, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on, is what I noticed the most out of that game, especially but even with Kawhi, driving to the basket and kicking out threes in a time where twos would have been just just fine. Like, I feel like there may have been a mindset in the last four minutes of that game. Maybe it came from Nick Nurse. I don't know. But there was a mindset of we're not taking anything but threes. And I don't think that was just the I don't think that was the right way to go. Maybe that was a Kawhi problem. Maybe it was a Nick Nurse problem. I don't know what it was. But, like, that was what I felt ultimately ended up being their downfall in game two. You know, if you're in the last four minutes of the game, you're making your defensive stops, and you're going to take three three three-pointers in a row, and they all miss. When you have opportunities to take twos, I don't know why you don't take the two. No, I'm with you on that. They did take a lot of three-point shots in 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 game two. Justin, I want to ask you this, and being that you're, you're our guy for this, in, in terms of coaching, how have you felt Steve Kerr, his adjustments have been made? How do you feel the coaching has been for Golden State? And then after you finish that, on the flip side, how do you think Nick's nurse's adjustments have been? How do you just give me your take on both coaches this series? Honestly, I feel like I, honestly, I feel like Nick Nurse has been out coaching Steve Kerr. Because like like, when you watch the uh, Raptors, you know, we haven't been talking about how they've been how bad they, they've been on defense. We've been talking about how great they've been on defense. I mean, Steph Curry goes off to tonight, but I mean, Steph Curry, like he's he's one of the greatest players of all time. Forty-seven, you know, that's not that's not something out of the ordinary. So, and you know, we 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 talk about Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, he's a great coach, but you know, game one, they they game one and game three, also some sometimes throughout game game two this this team hasn't been that great on defense they've had a couple of breakdowns and I just think that the main the main thing has been defense in this series and the Raptors have been showing they've been doing great on defense uh they've been playing good as a team we haven't talked about how tired they look uh they've been on point throughout the whole series they had a couple of break a couple of like you know um offensive uh mess ups uh, I want well, not really mess up, but like miss shots. Just breakdowns, yeah, and miss shots. Yeah, yeah, miss shots. But as far as strategy wise, the Raptors have been on point. They've been executing. It's just that the greatness of the Warriors have sometimes taken over. But I think that Nick Nurse is definitely out coaching Steve Kerr right now. To that point about Nick Nurse, I'll say this as well. To Nick Nurse's credit, his defensive matchups, like you've been saying, have been very strategic and have been working very well in their favor because Steve Kerr, I'll give him this, and me and my pops talk about this, he he really likes how Steve Kerr has made great adjustments in this in this playoffs, but then he was like, from game one to game two, he made great adjustments, but then from game two to the night, it's like you knew you don't have Klay Thompson. You know some of these guys aren't 
year, why not draw up plays to get some of these guys easy buckets instead of getting three after three? And I, I want to attribute Nick Nurse's defensive strategy in the game three because Steve Kerr should have been trying to get easy layups for Sean Livingston, for Iguodala, for Quinn Cook. Do plays to get them twos. Like Shubi was saying, it's not all threes. You can't just go out and, and say, oh, yeah, Quinn McKinney. BKD, B Clay, and shoot these threes. No, you need to draw a place to get these guys mid-range jumpers, get them twos to get them hot, build up their confidence so their three starts falling. And I think the adjustments that that Nick Nurse made for game three were a lot better than Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr, if Clay Thompson and KD aren't back for game four, he has to make adjustments to get these others easy baskets to build up their confidence so they can step out and make some of those open threes. Because if not, then we're going to see another game like tonight. Let's get our final. Um, we, we predicted how we're going to go. The series is going to go. We talked about all that. So we discussed this. This, this is pretty much in the bag, the playoffs. I want to move real quick. Let's talk. Uh, we're going to talk LeBron and the Pellies. Let's talk uh, LeBron first. LeBron made high demands. It's rumored from not only Bill Plash. Well, not, I'm not, it's Bill Plash made a report that if LeBron doesn't get a big-time star in this heat, him and his team may make a decision to, to force their hand to get them out of L.A. It was also echoed by Dave McMiniman. I'm going to start with Schubert, and then we'll go to Justin. Schubert, what do we feel about this whole, this whole LeBron situation? Because it ties into the Pelicans. Because let's see they don't get an AD. They don't get a KD. They don't get a Kyrie. They don't get a Kawhi. They might not even get a Jimmy Butler. Do you see LeBron forcing his way out? And what does that say about his legacy? Um, yeah, I see it ha- happening, but I, if that were to happen, but I honestly see one of those guys going to the, to the Lakers. Oh, okay, okay. So you think all this will be averted and you think LeBron gets another star to LA? Yeah, I think he's going to get what he wants. My thing is this. If, if no one goes there and he tries to force his way out, I think that affects his legacy because – you can't come in with the no. Let me say why you can't come in and try to build a team. You have been this mercenary for hire for your whole career, and you 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 don't build teams. You you couldn't win in Cleveland. You didn't have enough pieces. I agree. You couldn't win there. So you go to D Wade. You build this super team. You wait till Cleveland not only gets Kyrie, Kevin Love, and builds this team for you to personally fall into. And now LA is your first real real test, and you and and you're gonna just opt out. You're you're gonna be Michael. I'm, I'm, I hate to use what Skip Bayless says, but it's true. Instead of trying to chase Michael Jordan, you're tracing Michael B. Jordan. You're, you're going after Hollywood, and it's like, what's your priorities, LeBron? Justin, what's your take on this whole LeBron situation, not getting a star? Do you think he gets a free agent? And how would you feel if you see him if he doesn't get one and he forces his way out of L.A.? Well, like, the way the way that this summer has been going with Magic Johnson leaving, you know, it's going to surprise me. It's gonna be hard for me to see anyone going to LA because that's my thing. You don't know who has control. You know, you don't know who's in who's controlling the front office. You know, who's like if you go there, you don't know who's gonna make the right moves to get the right players around LeBron and other free agent. You know what I mean? It's like no. Is it Palinka? Is it the buses? Like who? Is it the bus side? Whatever their names are. And then after (laughs) hearing, and then also after hearing. Oh no, it's the Rambai, not the buses. It's the Rambai or the Rambuses. Yeah, like you don't know who's really running our our organization. And then after hearing Magic Johnson, you know, air all that dirty laundry, it's like, why would you want to go there? Big facts. I mean, the uh, LeBron James, his his legacy is pretty much 
set. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. He brought a championship back to, to Cleveland. So I feel like if he leaves, it won't hurt. If he stays, it won't hurt either. You know, Ooh, so, it, uh, it'll just, it'll just, it really, I think it'll be just. So if he ring chases, if he ring chases, let's say he, he forces his way out and he's like, I'm going, I want to go here. And, and he's trying to ring chase. here. Uh, let's say Philly, let's say some somewhere where, like, I'll get a Ben Simmons, he goes play with Joel, he goes back to East. Somewhere where he can win a ring. Do we not see that as ring chasing for LeBron? I don't see that as ring chasing, because the thing that was with Kevin Durant and ring chasing was he went to the team that won the finals and beat him on the way to the finals. If LeBron went to Philadelphia, I think that's an interesting move. I would think that's a good move. Okay, okay. I don't think that's ring chasing, because that's no guarantee. Okay, okay. I mean, Kevin Durant had no guarantee. I, 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 I uh, he had guarantee because that team was going to win the finals with or without him. Because, but, but also, see, but see, I hate the thing of LeBron never ring chase because Miami is a ring chase. He started the super team. LeBron, no, started- no, no, I'm not saying he never ring chased. I'm saying that you're saying like a move to Philadelphia would be like a ring chase. I don't think that's a ring chase. I think if he were to move anywhere to from the Lakers that wasn't Golden State, I don't think it's a ring chase. I think it's a, I think it's a risk. Like the Rockets, I see. I, there's certain teams that's a risk. that I. Who's on the team? James Harden. You, you have do, a, do they trade? Do they trade Chris Paul? I, and, uh, look, if I think if they trade Chris Paul, I think you're in a better situation. I think we've I think, seen. Chris, I think LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden. That's a risk. I don't think. I don't think it's winning a finals. No, I think Chris Paul. I think James Harden and LeBron's not as big of a risk as what you're saying. I think if you trade Chris Paul for James Harden, I mean Chris Paul for LeBron, if the Lakers can somehow magically figure boo that happening. And and you get LeBron over there with James Harden. I think that's a a, a ring chase for LeBron. And I think that's a nope. better situation for the Rockets. Nope. I I one hundred. It's not a ring chase because that's no guarantee. I, I just I just feel it affects his legacy because you chose this situation. Try to make it better. Now, if it's like what, what Justin said, what? no, no, Justin, I'm, I'm I'm about to give you credit. If it's like what you said, where it's the management is the issue, you don't, don't know who's in control. Then I can't okay. blame you at that point. I won't right. blame you at that point, that's but. But you gotta try to you gotta stick it out this you gotta stick it out this season. You can't trade request this. You tried to blow up this team with this young core. And also, Shuby, if to this point, if you trade all those young pieces for AD, how does that make that does that make that team a championship contender? I think it no. makes them in the playoffs. But I don't think you have enough pieces around that team to build a cha- like you're gonna just get a bunch of one year guys. And and do you do you build like does Jimmy Butler, LeBron, and AD get the Lakers a championship? I don't know, and I don't think so. That's a pretty dang good team. So they get LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma. No, Kyle Kuzma is gone. Kyle Kuzma is gone. If you're getting AD, all the young... Put the trade. Yeah, if you're getting AD, all the youngins are gone. Yeah, all the youngins are gone. You got to sign one year. He's a free agent. Who? J.R. J.R. Smith is a free J.R. Smith. He so has is experience. Car- so is Carmelo Anthony. Hey. <laughs> Bring him in. Bring him in. But that, that's all I really wanted to talk about LeBron because he's rumors are saying that he's going to force his way out. Let's talk Pelly's real quick because AD is officially on the trading block. The meeting happened with David Griffin. Of course, Anthony's not trying to stick around. Good. good. Look, Pelicans fans, I'm going to say this. Anthony Davis, wherever you go, I, I hope you find what you're looking for. I hope your career goes well for you, and I hope you find what you want. But Pelicans fans, I'm going to say this. Once we find out we got Zion, I did not want to keep Anthony Davis no matter what. I didn't care what David Griffin was saying. I didn't care what other members of the media were saying. I feel that this helps our team 
to get rid of him and start over and build from Zion. And and I know everybody's saying, oh, Boston won't do it. Boston won't do it. It's still rumored that Boston wants to do it. And if Boston does it, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be okay. But even if Boston doesn't, there's the Clippers that are potential with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Landry Smith, Danilo Gallinari. You can get their picks. That builds up from the young core as well. There's other, there's other moves out there. I don't like the Brooklyn one as much. I'll take the Lakers one over Brooklyn. But there's things that can t- build this team to a young core as well as the Knicks. Schubert, what do you think of Anthony Davis finally saying, yo, I'm on the trading block and David Griffin putting him there now that we're moving towards the draft and we're going to try to get this deal happening? All right. Well, my thing is, is I, I don't see the Clippers thing happening. I haven't seen anything about that happening. Now let's move to the Knicks. Um, as much as I would like for that to happen, I don't know if they're going to make that happen. I feel like there's still a lot up in the air with that, and we'll see how it goes. Now we'll move to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I actually like some of the ideas that they've put out. What was it? Dinwiddie, Harris, Lavert, and Allen. I think if those four players went to the Pelicans— I think the Pelicans are definitely making the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs, but my thing is this with that. That's the young vet system. That's what AD did when you bring in the Tyreek Evans, the Eric Gordons. What happens when those dudes get to contracts? Those aren't veterans. They're 25-year-old kids. No, they're young vets. I'm I'm saying I need someone 25 – I need someone younger than 25 who who can give me three three to two years more before I have to try to re-sign them. Those guys will start to start to – what you're gonna have to start to re- you have to start to resign the Jared Allen's, the the Joe Harris's in two years, one year. That those guys, and I'm not trying to do that. I need draft picks in Brooklyn. If if they're getting Anthony Davis, Kyrie, and KD, their draft picks aren't going to be as great. That's why I think with the Clippers, and I have been hearing things about this, which Landry Schmidt, a, a young shooter who's JJ. Redick S could be better. Then you have uh, Shea Gilgis, who's a six six point guard who. Needs to develop his jumper, which which we've seen him not shoot bad, but he definitely needs to get better. It's not Lonzo Ball bad. It wasn't even De'Aaron Fox bad first 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 year, but he has to get better than that. But defensively, he's up there with him and Drew Holiday playing that backcourt defensive lockdown. You have Sh- Landry Schmidt shooting jumpers, Danilo Gallinari on the wing, and then with Zion, that's a playoff squad as well with Montrezl Harrell coming off the bench with all those picks they give us. I like you don't that. Need to, you, you wouldn't need to resign Randall. You wouldn't – exactly. I'm not trying to get Randall back. Like, Randall doesn't play defense. Now, I know that the coaches like Randall and everything, but I don't know if Randall fits the system. Now, let's talk about the Lakers. I've heard that – I think that's what happens. Oh, man, I don't want that to happen. I would much rather the Clippers or Boston happening. And, look, I know this. Um, Alvin Gentry really likes Lonzo Ball, really likes Lonzo Ball, and really thinks he can turn Lonzo Ball into what he's supposed to be within the backcourt with Drew Holiday. And I'll say this, out of that Lakers deal, I know everybody, and I know if you listen to our sister show, uh, the, the the sports show on this primetime, the local sports show, Charles does not like Lonzo Ball at Hates all. Him. A lot of the New Orleans media doesn't like Lonzo Ball, but I'll say this, I really think Lonzo Ball and his new system, when he's fully healthy, will be A-OK. And I think with Zion and Drew, Lonzo Ball's a great piece. The question is, does he want to come play here? Will we have yeah. to deal with all that headache? I know LeVar was trying to do PR cleanup on all the media shows and say Lonzo's going to do well wherever he goes. He's going to play. He's not going to have an attitude. But we have to have full commitment from that guy because that's the best part of that trade. Yes, pick four is dope. 
And, and yeah, you could get a Jared Culver, you could get a, a Garland, you could get a shooter, but that, that like Lonzo Ball is the key. Kuzma's another shooter. Brandon Ingram to me, he he's a mid-range shooter and he's he doesn't he can't shoot threes well. And you can't have Lonzo and Drew and Zion and have another guy that's clogging up that paint. You need shooters around them. And and yeah, Josh Hart's cool, but the Lakers deal to me. I don't like Kuzma and Ingram as much anymore. I really don't. No, I don't like Kuzma and Ingram that much either, but I think it's going to happen. And I think it's going to be because of Josh Hart and Lonzo. I think I think Lonzo in New Orleans would be great. I, I, you know, I'm on I the too. side of Lonzo, too. I th- what I saw at the LeVar Ball interview was LeVar Ball saying, when Colin Coward asked LeVar Ball, you, would you be interested in seeing your son play with Zion Williamson? I saw it in that dude's eyes that he would be interested in seeing <laughs> yeah. his son play with Zion Williamson. Like, I feel like that could be a career-changing thing for Lonzo. Now, I think if Lonzo came here to New Orleans, it would it would change it would change his life. I think it would change his life if he was open to the idea, and and, make, and tried to make it work. I think learning it would with Drew, change his career. Like, yeah. I think he, like defensively he's already great, but learning from Drew, having a vet like Drew, and getting with Drew's people, Hands helping his veterans. shot. Like, just, I, I think it would be great for Lonzo. Him and Zion going together, Lob City, that would be beautiful. I'm with you on Shuby, that Shuby, but my thing is this. We would have to try to move Kuzma, try to move Ingram, and try to move uh, the, the pick, or keep the pick if you can get a shooter. But I would try to move those three things, keep Josh Hart, and try to get some more shooters because you have to put shooters on, on this team. You could maybe trade one of the Lakers players in that pick to get that three. Huh, or maybe that, even to get to two. To get to that would be nice, but I think I think they will want Lonzo Ball with that if they want. Devin like Payton. Huh, Alfred Payton's a free agent. That's the thing. So that those are the, those are the things. Give him Solomon just, Hill. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want that bullshit expiring <laughs> contract. Let's talk Boston real quick. Look, if if I'm going to Boston, I've been hearing different things. Boston, I feel like the deal is this. This is the. This is what we can get, worst-case scenario. Like, we're getting Tatum, Marcus Smart, uh, the, the Memphis pick, and then maybe one of the later picks this year, and then, like, a Robert Williams to, to level out the contracts. I don't think it's going to be the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum deal that everybody thought. But also, when you look at that, I don't necessarily want Jalen Brown coming into the system because then it creates the same Boston scenario where it's like, okay, if Tatum comes – Tatum is the finisher, and he's getting his shots that he wants. He's the primary scorer by the end of the year, and then it's going to be him and Zion. Drew is going to be that 3-2-1 range for the beginning. But if Jalen Brown comes, he's not getting those shots he wants, and we don't need that locker room conflict. I really like the Boston thing to get Marcus Smart as the point guard with Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Zion, and then we get one of those picks and – I just think that's the best thing. Not only do we make the playoffs, I think we're a young team contending for future. And I think we have a solidified three guard who's a solid star. Just as much as I agree with you, Schubert, about Lonzo's career changing in New Orleans, I think if Jason Tatum comes here, his career changes in the better as well. How do you feel about the Boston thing? I mean, Boston's cool. I mean, I think that trade would really work out. I don't know how they're going to feel because I think 100% Kyrie is out. Yeah, and, and we're hearing more rumors about that on the daily. His two teams, he's narrowed it down to. How does this hurt your heart? It's not the Knicks in, in L.A., it's Brooklyn in L.A. Doesn't really matter to me. 
Mm, so you're not interested in, in Kyrie Irving anymore. What happened to KD, Kyrie, and AD and NYC? That seemed like just a pipe D R E A M dream. I'm glad I got a laugh out of that. <laughs> it all it all came down to that the Knicks just don't have the pieces to get AD. Yeah, if, if, if they to- could, then it's possible. But I, I just don't think that the Pelicans are going to accept what the Knicks have. Not getting Zion nope. really hurt y'all, and not getting yeah, John pretty Moran. much. If y'all would have got John Moran, I think y'all could have got AD. Yeah, even one or two, one or two would have been a good. Yeah. Do y'all think? Do you think you get KD now? No. Does K, does KD want to go there? Uh, I think KD, if he had the choice, would like yeah. to stay in Golden State. But I think at this point point in his life he realizes that if he stays with Golden State no one is ever going to respect him as much as they do LeBron or Michael Jordan or in to an extent Steph Curry and probably Kawhi at the end of the day yeah no you Uh, got a point there I I think his I think his entire career is going to be tarnished if he never leaves Golden State and succeeds I, I, I don't know. I'll say I'm this. serious. I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm te- yeah. He, if there was going to be a Mount Rushmore basketball, he would never be on it. No, you, you have a point there. I, I think he his career wouldn't be tarnished. I just don't think he'd be where he wants to be. I don't think he'd be where his talent says he should be. And, exactly, and yeah. Like, like, I think KD, when it's all said and done, if he wins two more championships or somewhere else, he is a Mount Rushmore guy. Just one. I think, I think if you... If he wins two more with Golden State, he's a Mount Rushmore guy. But if he wins two mm, more with no. Golden State, I don't think he gets Mount Rushmore. But I think he is a Mount Rushmore talent. Now, do you think he goes to Brooklyn with, now that the Knicks not there? I don't see him pairing with LeBron. I think it's either Brooklyn or the Clippers at this point. Who? KD. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be LeBron, Brooklyn, or the Clippers. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the Knicks or anything. Justin. Chime in on this if you if you have any free agency thoughts about KD. How do you feel about Kevin Durant legacy wise? And do you feel he goes to Brooklyn, the Knicks, the Clippers? T- talk a little bit about that Kevin Durant stuff. Well, you guys touched on a lot of it. Um, like you know, if he stays in Golden State, you know he won't be on Mount Rushmore. If he wins the championship somewhere else, then yes, he will be considered. Here he had he, he's one of the greatest talents. But yeah, because he's playing with the Warriors and he won those championships, he's not considered one of the greatest. So I think if he, I mean, he always will be, but you know, it's, you guys know what I'm saying. You know, he won championships exactly. with the Warriors. He jumped on that team, so he won't be considered, you know, as one of the greatest. But I think, you know, as far as free agency, I mean, I'm really not sure where he should go right now. No, I'm still waiting for after the uh, after the finals to really see you know who has who, what teams have who to really say where he should should go. But I think if he wants to be you know respected more, he should definitely go to another team. Mm, okay, okay, I can respect that, and I and I agree with you. I think the first domino will be the Anthony Davis trade. I think we I think we hear even if the trade doesn't become official on draft night, I think we start hearing rumblings around draft night because if we trade with Boston that trade probably couldn't happen until August until they can relinquish the Rose rights of Kyrie Irving until they can do some things and and then we could get that trade closed out if it goes with the Lakers draft night around that time same thing with the Clippers around then so I think Anthony Davis will be this first piece of free agency but free agency got moved up from July 1st 
to June 30th. So come June 30th, we'll be talking free agency. We will bring Eddie Bansky Gonzalez back on to talk about what LeBron's going to do, what his thoughts are on free agency, get our national perspective, probably bring some other guys in from the Pelicans to talk about the AD stuff as well. Bring Charles on as well. We got a lot to look forward to with basketball. I really enjoyed this this basketball quasi episode. If it's if it ends up being Brucey Think Podcast episode ninety eight, cool. Or if it's just a point five, I'm cool with it. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we got a lot covered. Shoot me, tell the people where they can find you out on social media. You can find me at, at Twitter and Instagram at ashuber fourteen. And every Friday you can catch the Bros Who Binge podcast on the Bros Who Think Network. Um, I've Lyndon, what are we reviewing this week? X-Men. X-Men. Are we doing Godzilla too? I don't think we're doing Godzilla because I did not see it. Yeah, me neither. And I've been <laughs> but, hearing, uh, I've, I've been hearing bad are, things. I've, I've heard bad things about Godzilla, but I've heard worse things about X-Men and we're going to go watch that trash tomorrow. Yeah, but we have to watch that trash. So, we so we'll trash be talking it. about that trash. <laughs> yeah. And look, if you want to hear us talk about some good stuff, like Aladdin or uh, Brightburn or Doom Patrol, go check out the last episode because we reviewed a lot of stuff. Dope, dope episode. Or hey, yeah. Keanu Reeves has gone to the MCU. We're talking about it tomorrow. Ooh, yes we are. And Matt, Reeves, confer- and Matt Reeves confirmed the Batman. And we have more Batman news. Is Robin going to be in it? We have to let you guys know. So be on the lookout for that. Justin, tell the people they can find you at on social media. Okay, before I say my social media, I wanted to jump back on the KD subject one more time. Cool. Uh, I said that uh, he's not one of the greatest players of all time, even though he's with the Warriors. He is. He's he he's gonna always be the one of the greatest of all time, but because he won rings with the Warriors, he won't be with the Michael Jordans and the yeah and with that Kobe Bryant. If he was on another, if he wins championships yeah. with another team, then he's with the Michael Jordans and LeBron James. But if he stays on that team, he's winning championships. You know, he'll have to win like six or seven, like some crazy number. It'd have to be Grand ridiculous. And I agree. He's all-time talent, but just right. just in terms of Mount Rushmore. We can't put him there yet. Until he wins, um, unless he wins a crazy amount of rings with the Warriors or wins with another team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Now, okay, if he yeah, does this I'm white, gonna... if he does this white knight stuff at the end of this finals, then we might be saying something different. Huh? That's that's a totally because you're absolutely right, Katie. If they're losing this series three one two one, comes in and just dominates and just turns it on another level and. Does his Kevin Durant white knight thing? Huh. No, no, okay. that's now. Now, if that's the Warriors different. go down, if the Warriors go down three one, and they do a LeBron, and KD comes back in Game Five, and they win the whole series, okay, then he's legend up there with the. Uh, I think we can start talk, talking about him being with LeBron James, and he might stay players. in Golden State. Oh yeah, yeah, I think he definitely should if that happens. But definitely yeah. down three one. That's some legendary stuff. Ooh, will he be the White Knight or will he be the Dark Knight being awkward at that parade? Or will Kawhi Leonard win? Find out next time. But, Justin, tell the people where they can find you at on social media. Everyone can can find me on all social media platforms at JustinBaptiste22 and follow and read and subscribe to my blog, TracingLays.com. 100% Justin's covering all aspects of basketball, the finals. I know free agency's coming up. He has a lot to talk about. You guys definitely go check that out because he goes in-depth, great articles as well. You can get other thoughts that he has, not only on this podcast, but just thoughts in general at that blog site. And it's super dope. Be sure to check that out. If you're into baseball, if you're into LSU, 
Be sure to check out Primetime's most recent episode with Brody Miller. Charles discuss LSU's uh, baseball. Um, there's a College World Series discussing all that stuff. As you can tell, I'm not the biggest baseball fan because I don't know much about it. But if you're a fan of baseball, that's perfect for you. If you're a fan of LSU baseball, that's the episode to check out. Be sure to check that out. As well as if you're a manga reader, Samurai 8, Chapter 3 and 4. Some Because we're moving the studio, some things happen with the video. But me and uh, Chris, I had you guys covered. We put out our Chapter 4 and Chapter 3 review in a podcast form. Go check that out on either Spotify, where, uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, the website, wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check that out, as well as the most recent episode of Anime Talk, because we covered a lot of dope stuff. You can follow me at Lynn BWT. Yes, we've changed the Twitter at name. It is Lynn BWT. So much easier. You can find me there, or you can find me at Lennon Burton on Instagram. Follow the Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think. But for this quasi episode, whether it's 97.5 or 98, whatever it is, thank you, thank you, thank you for you guys listening. We're inching closer to the 100th, and each day I'm feeling more and more incited. I can't express my gratitude enough to you guys, the fans, to you guys, our family, because y'all aren't just our family. Yo, you guys are part of this community, this family that we built, this bros who think. All of you guys are bro who think. Men, women, it doesn't matter. We love you all and we're, we, we respect you all and we really appreciate the love and the listening that you guys do for us. Even if you listen once or you listen every week, thank you, thank you, thank you. From Brooklyn to Charles to Justin to Schubert, to Lane, to everybody who works on this podcast and this network, to Mike, to everybody, myself included. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really, really appreciate it. Update on the merch. Lynn been dropping subtle hints. I've been dropping subtle hints on Twitter. The merch is coming soon, ladies and gents. Be on the lookout because the merch line is fire. The anime talk gear, the bros who think gear, the bros who binge gear, the primetime gear, all of it litty. So be on the lookout, ladies and gents. But again, for Justin, for Schubert, you guys have a great weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. As always, we will definitely be back full squad and all talking and giving you a full episode next week on Thursday. Be on the lookout for that, as well as everything that's coming from this network. But like I said, thank you guys. Be safe over this weekend. Have a good one and enjoy yourself. Peace. Yeah.